Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What's up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And today we're having a chat finally with the legendary Ty Wolfenden. He is a three time world champion of Speedway. Uh, he spends most of his time living in Poland, of all places, um, but he's moving around a little bit this year. Um, he is a legend of a dude, and we've been trying to make this podcast happen for a really long time. He was just in Oz for a little bit. Uh, he did the Darcy Ward Invitational uh, and the Australian titles here, I believe. So we thought we'd get Ty in to uh, to get his first Gypsy Tales podcast appearance happening. But before we get into that, a message from our awesome sponsors. Just going to give you an announcement of a new sponsor uh, that I actually chased down uh, to get them on the podcast. And that was because I really wanted to start using their products again. So to welcome Athletic Greens to the podcast. Now, if you've been following the podcast recently, you would know that we're on a massive health kick uh, as we get ready to take on World Vets at Glen Helen in November of 2023. Athletic Greens is not only an all-in-one formula that helps me just cover all my nutritional bases. Uh, it's also the first healthy habit that I have uh, that starts every single day. Before my morning coffee, uh, I get up in the morning, my partner and I mix our athletic greens uh, and kickstart the day with AG1. The team at Athletic Greens were so serious about their product uh, that they actually wouldn't let me do the ad read until I'd been on the product for about a month. Uh, And I'm really glad that that was the case because in this time, I feel like I've definitely seen some improvements. I have been struggling a little bit in the lead up to getting back on AG1 uh, and I've definitely noticed a significant increase, uh, I guess, just in the feeling of my overall gut health. Uh, As far as my partner goes, um, she has said that she's noticed a significant improvement uh, in the condition of her skin uh, and her and other females can have uh, some issues with their skin uh, as their hormones fluctuate throughout the month. At the end of the day, AG1 is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients of the highest quality that are able to offer gut health support, mood support, can affect your energy each day, and contribute to overall healthier looking hair and skin. 
If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. That's athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. Uh, now, this is not a promo code. You need to specifically follow this link, uh, and that is going to attach your free one-year supply of vitamin D and those five free travel packs. Thank you to the team at Athletic Greens. We're excited to have you on board. We are also brought to you by the guys and girls at Manscaped. They are your one-stop shop for all of your male grooming needs. I specifically run the uh, Performance Package 4.0. That, to me, is probably the best place for you to start if you're new to the whole Manscaped ecosystem. You go to manscaped.com and you use the code GYPSYGANG. That is going to get you 20% off plus free shipping with the guys at Manscaped. We're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au for all your dirt bike parts and accessories needs. These guys are the biggest in Australia by far. Biggest and best in my personal opinion. Uh, We collectively in the Gypsy Tales office probably do about eight trips to MX Store every single week. Uh, Whether it's new tires, new chain lube, uh, air filters, like you name it, grips, bars the whole deal uh so the guys at mx store have always come in for clutch uh come in clutch for us i'm sure if you're listening to this podcast they've come in clutch for you uh at some point if you order before 2 p.m you get same day shipping as well if you are not lucky enough to live close to their burly warehouse that's mxstore.com.au we're also brought to you by the glove lord and his lords and ladies uh, that run the awesome company that is Fist Handwear. Uh, you can head to fisthandwear.com. The code Gypsy Gang is going to get you 15% off as well. I don't wear anything else, and I haven't since pretty much the day Sammy started that company. I actually did, though, at one point in Bali when I didn't take any gear, and I got blisters really bad. So, yeah, I guess I have run non-fist gloves one time in 10 years and i hated it won't be doing it ever again fisthandwear.com we're also brought to you by the guys at dixon quality you can head to dixonquality.com.au gonna get the same discount there when you type in gypsy gang uh look i know we're in summer but they've got all sorts of stuff they've got shorts they've got socks they've got tees they've got it all um and rival inc they also have it all when it comes to any of the aesthetic needs of your dirt bike whether that's jersey prints whether you need stickers for the back of your truck maybe you're one of those guys that puts your instagram handle on the back of your truck uh you could get them from rival link but what they really specialize in is the best graphics for your dirt bike uh you've seen them on all of our builds and you know that we love the guys at rival you can add to rivalinkdesignco.com use code gypsy gang and that is going to get you 15 percent off We don't have a promo code for the guys at Tropical Auto Group, but if you call Kyle, he is going to hook you up if you're a member of the Gypsy Gang. If you buy a new or used vehicle off him, uh, he will be giving you not only a great deal on the car that you choose, but also a $500 gift voucher from the guys at MX Store. Kyle's a G. He's been supporting us for a really long time. Uh, We really appreciate the support, uh, and they are a fantastic company to deal with. 
that's it from me uh, and the ads going to give our membership website a quick plug thank you to all of the members who have joined up and have uh, watched some of the cool content that we've got going on behind uh, behind that website uh, and we've got a bunch more we've got a couple of podcasts going up there today Christian Craig is going up there today um, and Dan and Kemp from Bloke in a Bar uh, as well as Supercross Companion but you guys get that anyway so that's it from me guys thank you very much I enjoyed this podcast with Ty Wolfenden and I hope you do too I'm at a gypsy. I didn't watch like, the whole race. I just watched the highlights. So oh yeah, the, oh like off the start they had like a split lane, and uh, just didn't seem like there was enough. Like everyone was just hitting off the off the start, you know. So just didn't seem like they had enough. Is that is that lens all good? Yeah. Focus wise, yeah. sweet. So yeah, chuck these on, brother. Oh, I'm gonna rock these. Oh, you you don't have to if you want, but it just sort of it what helps me. Uh, with like the mic distance oh, yeah. as you can hear like once you put those on yeah once you got enough light on my face yeah you're good now flip it up the left one yeah give it here yeah, oh, fucking Rubik's cubes these things how'd you fix it so easy I've done it 340 something times <laughs> <laughs> and then this is your I just started DJing and I got a um, some AI, AI, AI headphones. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're good? Yeah, they're all right for what I'm doing. So, yeah, see, so like, you can hear the difference. Yeah, yeah. So, and then this just follows <coughs> you around. Like, you can just fucking pull it. Pull it I'll try not so. to move too much. I'll just be no. oh. I'll just be a robot. Oh, gee. We good, Griff? Sound right for me? Probably turn his mic up a little <coughs> bit, actually, because I had it real low for Sammy. Go again. Give us a check. One, two, one, two. Yeah, see. Samuel's shouting down at too much. Super oh, awesome. bro, he's got the loudest Oh, voice. my God. <laughs> Wait, so we roll? Oh, sweet. Ty Wolfenden. What's up, dude? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I kept lunch as short as possible because I knew that we were just going to talk about all the shit we were going to talk <laughs> about. So I was like, bang, smash the tacos. Let's just go get it done because, uh, yeah, lot, lots to talk about. We have got a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, where, where do you want to start? Oh mate, just what what's been going on lately? Bit of, bit of time in Oz, which is which is nice. You uh, so season finishes kind of like late November, and then uh, yeah, decided to spend a little bit of time back in Oz. First time in a while. It is. Um, so we left. Um, <clears throat> we built a house in Perth, and then uh, we built it in 2019. Moved into it in the summer, um, and then March 2020, we went back to Europe for the racing season, and then COVID happened. <laughs> so we was. Um, yeah, we've been stuck there for two and a half years. And yeah. We got we got back. Uh, we actually got back really early this year. We got back on the seventh of October. Yeah, and we've just been um, just living, hanging out. Yeah, it's been good. Good to uh, enjoy the Australian like summer again. Oh, it just makes you appreciate it even more. Like it makes me laugh because all my mates are going, "Oh yeah, like can't wait to get out of Perth and want to yeah. go do Europe and do this." And I'm like, man you guys live in the best place in the world it's right at your doorstep and you don't even realize dude i mean yeah perth is pretty solid like i've been i went there in what month was it my oh september it would have been for manji nah well i went there in june for manji and i just went to hang with a mate we literally just were riding for like a week 
and uh it almost felt like school holidays to be honest but yeah it was just so good like got up every morning and uh well i was staying in, in like uh Oh, just kind of near the beach, you know. So just get up every morning, go get a coffee. Where was you? Uh, like near like the Karanup area. Oh, yeah. Like around that sort of beach. So straight in from Karanup would have been probably, I think, North Beach. That's that, yeah. It was yeah, Trigg, was, North Beach, yeah. Scarborough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Pretty around, much all kind of around, around that, that, that yeah. area. So yeah, like, dude, Perth's just such a nice spot. It's just so far away. Yeah, it's like a different country, hey? Especially when COVID was on. It was a different country. Literally, dude. Yeah. It's, um, oh, look, the last few years have been pretty crazy, but, yeah, it's, um, it's super nice to, to finally be back home and, yeah, just to be back in the house. And when we when we moved into it and we furnished it, um, Faye was due with, with our youngest, Callie. Um, so we just chucked a bunch of stuff in there that we didn't really like we just got it we wanted to get it livable so that when when yeah. Callie was born there was no stress and yeah we came back this we came back unlocked the house and like looking around going wow why did we buy that <laughs> so we just yeah we ripped out a, a ton of it and um yeah changed a few bits and pieces and lightened everything up a little bit it was a bit dark so yeah um yeah it's been busy man it's, it's been good been riding heaps training heaps yeah riding heaps of motocross not speedway as much um Get out with Regan a little bit. That's um, awesome. Dude. He's ripping, eh? Yeah, he's he's fast. Yeah. Yeah. Did he's, you so you grew you like have you known him for a long time? Uh not really like personally to hang out with. Yeah. But like my first set of motocross boots came from Darren. Yeah. Regan's right. dad. Um and then uh that that was years and years ago. And then uh yeah, this year I decided I wanted to start riding motocross again because last time I rode motocross was when I backflipped at Sheenies. Yeah, right. So I had like a really big I had like a five year layoff from the motocross bike. Um and yeah, uh been riding three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um yeah, and my progression for the last like over the last two months has just been insane. That's awesome. So what bike are you riding? KDM three fifty. Yeah, my of boy. course. What's yeah. <laughs> you know what's up. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's an old one, 2015, but um, uh, my mate had it and then I got it back off him. It was meant to be all prepped and ready to go and I rode it three times and then um, lost compression. Yeah. And then, yeah, obviously uh, took the seat off and there was no air filter oil on it. So sound oh. blasted all the barrel and so it was a full engine rebuild because the bottom end had never been done. So it's like a brand new bike now. Yeah. Got the suspension done, new set of plastics and fresh set of wheels and away we go yeah that's a go so are you just full sand groper spec or what yeah i haven't really rode any any well i don't even know if we have hard pack in perth yeah i was gonna say like where's hard pack i mean manji's kind of hard pack in some spots that's too far the ajs is like nine minutes drive from my house yeah so we're directly inland towards the beach yeah and ajs is just straight out so i just get on near about road straight line hang a left straight line and i'm at the track that's so sick. So I get there a little bit before the boys I normally have everything out of the van at six o'clock in the morning to beat the heat and yeah, yeah, get some motos done. So I'm I'm guessing that there's not much like translation or like crossover between that and Speedway. It feels like that would be a completely different universe. It's like two wheels and handlebars are probably like where the similarities stop. Yeah, they're, they're completely different, but I reckon riding motocross will help my Speedway. Yeah. Maybe, I, I don't know why, but like I look at all the all the other guys that are that are fast that are race against in the championship and they're all spending a bit of time on the bike um on the motocross bike so um that's why i decided to to ride more this winter or yeah. this summer um and we'll see if that transitions when the season starts yeah i, I think that 
probably just the general bike skill. You know, I mean, and, and I think one place where it's real evident where you can see that is where you look at like Travis doing freestyle back in the day and you could just see how much better the bike skill was that he had. And I just feel like there's guys that, that ride and race and if they've just got like a crazy base of bike skill that comes from being on a motocross bike, it kind of just generally translates across yeah, kind of everything you know it's probably might not be like technique specific for what you've got going on but surely it's got to do something yeah i think so and like i remember when regan was on the pod he was talking about it like how his dad used to like let him hit everything full gas on the on the 110 or the 50 or whatever he was on and really push the envelope for what he could do on it and then when he stepped up onto the other bike you know it was it was a good transition so obviously listening to that pod and then um there's a few guys that ride motocross this year that that have placed above me yeah um in the championship which is frustrating as hell um and then the world champion two years ago three years ago two years ago he he rides a lot of motocross yeah um so yeah uh we're, we're chasing another world title so we've made a ton of changes in the last three months and everything's everything's geared up to to having a crack at it this year again yeah that's sick the um You'd have to think too that I mean, well, how hard is it for you to practice? Like when on your on your speedway bike, you'd have to think that just bike time on a motocross bike would probably just be like an easier proposition. Yeah, like I'm not one for washing bikes. Yeah, like I haven't done it for a long time. Um, I haven't washed my three. My mate washed my three fifty the other day before I came over here, but uh, it probably hasn't had a wash for a month. Like it's filthy. <laughs> and the boys are like, what are you doing, man? Like, just wash your bike. And I'm like, dude, give me, me one, give me one one or two laps and it'll look just the same again. Yeah, yeah. So I changed the air filter because obviously it's a new engine. Um, but yeah, I'm just not for it. So a Speedway bike is a lot of prep. Like yeah. when you wash it, you have to take the clutch off, strip all the carb down. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're a lot of work because it's a dry clutch on the side. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. have to like, you have a primary chain and then a rear chain. So you take both the chains off, drop your clutch out, take all the rubs out. Um, take the carb off, strip that down, wash your air filter, uh, take the throttle off, and then just yeah, rebuild it all, spray lube all your cables again, and fit it all back on. So it's like, like a five, pra- five hour process. So like practice days on a speedway bike is just a pretty gnarly deal. If I do it here on my own, if I do it in Europe, it's not a problem because I've got three blokes that I employ year round anyway. So yeah, yeah. they they do everything. Um, I just rock up, ride, and then and then disappear. So that's that's nice. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a mission, man. So yeah, riding motocross is, um, yeah, it's good. And I'm up to like, uh, I rode on uh, Saturday or Monday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, so I rode Monday um, and I did a 15-minute warm-up, then I did a 20-minute moto, then a 25-minute moto, then a 30-minute moto, and then a 10-minute. No shit. Yeah, AJS. That's good going, eh? Yeah, and I'm pretty much like stood up most of the time, so... Um, yeah, Regan's been giving me a bunch of advice on how to ride a motocross bike. Probably that's why, Dude. like my my like yeah yeah improvement skill has just gone crazy for the last like yeah. Look like I'm fresh on the bike when yeah. I first went out, and then every time I've been coming in the pits and going, oh, what can I do, Regan? Like help me there, and then talking to some other boys there, and just every picking them for every little thing that I can get off them. You know, yeah, being on your toes and making sure your knees are back and making yeah. sure your body body weight's right, drop my handlebars a little bit 
and just yeah just everything and i feel the difference as well which is which is really nice yeah like just dropping the handlebars a tiny bit yeah it transitioned my weight further as back in like rolling and backwards. just rolling and backwards that was a little bit too, <clears throat> too high yeah um there was where i would have rode them on a speedway bike mm. but then yeah rolled them back and that moved my bum that little bit further back and then my knees came a bit further back and yeah. just settled the whole bike and i've been messing around with the suspension and the sag and tires i mean yeah i've been trying different wider tires thinner tires and i like a wider tire that's got really big side nobbles on it yeah um because the ones that like regan and a few of the boys use they're, they're quite narrow and as soon as the edge is gone yeah they feel like you have no traction yeah and i can feel the difference on that so that's like really yeah. cool for me as well yeah that's sick yeah i mean we've we uh we're doing world vets at the end of next year at Glen helen so this is what well, end of this year sorry so this is the we're sort of got like a bit of you know fitness riding kind of thing going on with all the boys at the moment but yeah i got like the thumb blisters going from the from the 20s out out riding but yeah it's definitely cool when you i mean i've been kind of working on the technique stuff for a while but yeah especially like the bike testing and when you can start to relate the the feelings i for me like some people don't care but for me it's just cool to go out there tinker around you know like yeah. kind of feel it see if it works see if it doesn't work i'm big i'm big with things like that as well so i've got like a, a really I'm sure at speedway it's massive yeah so we're with speedway we're chasing like one percent yeah so we're constantly trying to set the bike up for every race so like every every minute we um every minute the the track changes so yeah. we're only doing like a minute race so that's wild dude yeah i know like it's, you can hold your breath yeah pretty much so it's like we'll go out ride on the track and then they might send the grader out and then they might water it and then if there's no grader or water you got to, you might have another three heats after you so the dirt line will be completely different yeah um and yeah, the track just changes so much so we're constantly like just fine-tuning all the time bigger jet overfuel it make it rev more leaner advanced retard the ignition shorter bike longer bike one sprocket down one sprocket up more pressure in the rear tire less pressure and we're just constantly just playing around with all them things trying to find that perfect setup for the end of the night when you hit the semi-final and the final have you have you noticed over the years that you've gotten so much better at dialing in a bike or does it always feel kind of as challenging as no. like is it always hard every year is different <laughs> because they're constantly they're constantly developing the bikes and making them stronger like the yeah, engine is right. making them stronger and stronger so it's actually at a point now where like i'm probably one of the heavier dudes really so yeah so like some of the guys that i'm racing against will be between like the 59 to 63 kilo range yeah um and I'm, I sit at like 65. Yeah. So that's like a instant power to weight ratio disadvantage. Um, and how much horsepower they got? 77, I believe. Fuck. Mm. Wait, so what, what should Griff look up? Let's, let's, I want to pull up your race bike. I want to suss this thing out. You want to have a look at a speedway bike? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, want us to look at your one. I don't know. Just, you got uh, any bike picks? I don't know. Type in Ty Wolfen and speedway bike. See what comes yeah, up. see what comes up. <laughs> no, T-Y-E. Oh, is it T-A-I? No, yeah, oh, good. fuck. I thought it was T-A-I. Got you in, got you in my phone wrong. There we go. Because they sort of don't look like they've changed much. No, they, so they haven't. Um, so that's, see, they're, they're covered up so much. Well, and what's that for? Just to stop the dirt getting into like places, like you said? I don't know, dude. Like They're just, they're just like that. 
So like <laughs> just old school. That's just how they've always done it. Yeah, I can't really explain. See if um scroll down a bit more. See if we've got some more pictures because it's like they're so simple. Like the engines. So when you do a when you do a start, the engine snaps up because of the chains. So the engine like that where that green half moon is. Yeah. That would snap up towards my knee. Really? Because it's got that much rotate. Because like, you're talking. full gas at the start. Yeah. So you're revving that 77 horsepower up and you're in like a real grippy spot, head over the bars, and you just dump the clutch. So there's so much force there. Um, and and the, what and size that motor top, is it? That top engine bolt goes through the engine plates, the engine, and the, the top fork tubes. Yeah, yeah. So it's all through one bolt. Yeah. So I look at that from a mechanical point of view and I think that's wrong. Yeah. But that's just how they are, man. Like, And look, there's a picture of Crumpy. Go the um, the number two, next one over. So that's like, an, that's I don't know when that'll be from. That's an old picture. Yeah, that's the same bike. Like, the, not the same bike, but the, it's the, the same bike, The bike's the same. They've yeah. been the same for years, man. Yeah, that's what. So how, what size is the motor? 500cc on methanol. Yeah. Dude, that's a fucking animal of a yeah. bike, man. Yeah. So they 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 accelerate faster than an F one. They like they're quick. And it's just one gear, or do they're, these just, ones? they're just in gear. So like <clears throat> to change gear, we change the sprocket. Yeah, so that's why right. it's so important that we pick the setup. Yeah. So yeah, we do track yeah. walk, and we'll go like that. Tracks a fifty eight rear sprocket, or a fifty three, or a fifty two, and you put your sprocket on, and then after a few heats, you might drop one. Yeah. If you if you're off with the setup, you drop two straight away. Yeah, and then when it's you get to the point where like you come into the corner and you turn it, and then it's like starting to labour a little bit off the corner. That's like your perfect like mm. labour, but going. You can hear that sound. Eh? It's like yeah. a real, low. especially on these. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you come into the corner absolutely singing. You got so much wheel spin, and then you park it. Yeah, and then obviously you've turned it inside out, so you put all the weight on the back wheel and you're slowing it down, and then you hit the dirt, and you want it to just be talky as hell and go but there's such a fine line like one sprocket up you'll be you'll hit the dirt and it'll just and spin and rest yeah, through spin it or bog. yeah yeah if you go one two less then it'll die and not go forward and yeah because the track changes all the time it's, it's just constant constant fine tuning it's crazy like i just had max whale on and it's it's same same but different kind of deal but it's just crazy to think how gnarly it is for just a circle it's just a small not small but it's a circle yeah, so much and you're just going around and it lasts for one minute and then if you just tell someone off the street this is what i do they're like oh it's piece of piss i feel like anyone could probably do that but it's almost all everything that makes it so simple is what makes it practically impossible it feels like every every person that's rode motocross and that's jumped on a speedway bike just can't get their head around it they're like that is so messed up yeah because like that foot peg there on jason's bike that right foot peg is obviously a lot lower than it would be on a motocross bike and then the left foot peg um is there a picture from the left side maybe that one there with on the start line you might be able to see no next one down. Oh, oh, oh yeah go oh, go back the other one yeah so you see the little peg sticking out just on yeah, the next yeah. to the engine so and that's really far forward on the bike so your legs are in one's back here and one's here yeah they're just they're just different man they're built to go left yeah they're built to slide that's so sick. Let's go to would there where would we be able to watch just like a highlight of something you Ty Woofenden, Heat nineteen, Cardiff. Done. YouTube. Yeah. I wanna oh yeah, we just need to let's get some visuals. I just really want to paint the paint the picture, you know. 
So this was a this was a sick race. Yeah, this is cool. All right, put put the ball. I don't know. Twenty fifteen. I was so fast that year, man. Go full screen, Griff. Like I was going from last to first. That's so sick. My plan, my plan A was to pass everybody. Yeah, yeah. Because that engine that I had was not getting me off the start ever. Oh, really? Yeah. So where are you on that? White helmet. Yeah. Bam. Oh, yeah, look at that thing. Spun out the start like it did everywhere. So you're just wide open at that, that first turn and you're just sort of Still like, wide open. Just riding it. Yeah. Clipped his back wheel there. Oh. Dude, it's so gnarly. Is it only ever four man heats? Yeah, we. My dad's meeting on the fourth of February at Pinjar Park in Perth. Uh, we're gonna have a six man final. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Something a bit different. Dude, how tight did you get that thing turned then? Yeah, so the indoor ones are really cool because if you get your front wheel over the curb, um, it actually drops the front end and the bike changes the. It changes. Wow. Changes like the um, I don't know how to explain it. The front wheel goes like lower than the track so oh, it drives yeah, better yeah 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 because it'd push more weight on the front uh, yeah like, like just drop the, the whole yeah, front yeah, end down yeah. dude that's insane man and the crowd is mental there that's too. that's the british gp man that's, so that, that's like the staple race like for, for me being a british rider that's um like that's one of the biggest ones on the calendar for me yeah yeah go and back then, let's watch that heat again there, it'll be a replay oh there'll be replays I just can't believe the way that you're able to just throw that, throw it in there like that, and and get it up those yeah, insides too. I can't, I can't believe the way that you can talk with people on the pod. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. do it, and yeah. and that's what I do. And you know, it's the same watching Sam Hill ride his bike and watching yeah. Daniel Ricciardo drive that car. You just can't understand it, but it, when you've done it for so long, yeah, it's just what you do. Yeah. Do you think about that? Mark, we'll watch. Go forward a little bit, Griff. Let's let's try and. Find some yeah. Watch this and then we'll get get back into it. Yeah, it's absolutely insane, dude. And how hard is it to like I mean, I guess it's just the same thing, like goes back to you've just been doing it forever, but just to like anticipate where the other riders are gonna be because it's like you're so you're so committed. Like and there's no like way I'm committed. There's like from when I went inside I wouldn't have had. I wouldn't be able to carry that speed and stay on the curb. I had to run up to the dirt yeah. and then just rail the dirt yeah. all the way down the straight. But yeah, if so he passed what, me, I would have gone up the inside of him. Like the racecraft. Yeah, that's where the racecraft comes in. Yeah, and and it's like it seems like it's so so hard to anticipate. But again, it's like you've been doing it for so long that I'm sure there's just like a sense that that like comes with it, you know? Yeah, everything. That top left one's a good one as well. Go let's, on, let's, let's watch it. Let's, last last yeah, first. While we're into it. <laughs> two, two minutes. Dude, it's just... You can fast forward it a bit. Yeah, go. This is it. a funny one. So like on the second lap, so miss the start again, same, spun off the gate. Could never get the thing to hook up out the start. Yeah. What What kind of bike was it? Same as what we're on now. Like so everyone just had I just had a different tuner that year. Yeah, right. Fucking send it around the outside there. Yeah. So I pulled a tear off there and pulled the goggles half off my face. Oh. And I think this back straight I fixed them. Yeah, I'm just sorting them out now. So what's the what's the speed? Like average speed slash top speed? Oh, I don't know. Like I top speed, um 
130, 140 at the end of the straight, maybe. Really? Yeah. Dude, this is fucking gnarly. That thing's on rails, though. That's the best feeling, like, when you put it in the dirt. Like, these days, there just ain't much dirt. Like, there's no dirt there. Yeah. But then, like, watch this next corner. So where? I just go straight to the dirt. Oh, and that's where and it really Now she's on train up. tracks. <laughs> Dude, that is crazy, man. And then I knew I spun up on the outside, so I had to go up the inside over the finish line. Because the lap before, I was spun and lost the ground. <laughs> that's so psycho. Dude, could you imagine doing that shit? There's no way, man. I think you, I think we need to get you on a bike. Dude, I've done it one time, uh, but never like... What are you doing tomorrow? Podcast. Damn. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm practicing at Brisbane at 12 o'clock. Yeah, I will That would have been sick. I'll literally... I've got two that I've got to do tomorrow. Oof. So I'm all the way done. Um, yeah, I've, dude, Jackson Richardson randomly had like a flat track at his house. And we used to... So we grew up with that speedway I was telling you about. Yeah. We had a speedway like five minutes from our house. So every Friday night when we were kids, it was just cars, sprint cars, sidecars, um, the bikes, like everything. And then Jackson Richardson, they owned the all the property behind the uh, all the property behind the speedway, and he built his own. He had a bunch of tracks there, but they had their own kind of like speedway track there. So it was like a Jawa, I think. Yeah. And then I, I like I only could do a couple laps on the thing. I was just like, "Fuck, this is out of control." Yeah, it's different. But we used to do it on the on our bikes, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I just couldn't. I honestly couldn't imagine. Like I could get you sliding like straight away. I just you think so? Put a bigger sprocket on. Put twenty psi in the rear. Yeah. Like okay. I run six and a half in the rear. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. So like when you're in the corner, the tire's like folding and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I go any lower than six and a half, I normally tend to nip the tube. Yeah, But yeah. we're on tubeless now. So that's been a bit of a, a learning process the last couple of years. Yeah. Switching to tubeless. Dude, it, it is such a, a cool sport. And so the... How... how Maybe like... Maybe the best way to go about it is just to... Let's just lay the sport out so I've got like more of a general kind of picture. But so you're a British-based rider still or are you like what what's the series what's the championships like how's it uh work out you've got three world titles where do they fit into all of it give me the lay of the land okay so um when i was younger i started in england and i started at like grassroots and worked my way through and then when i was fast enough i went to sweden went to poland so i'd race like poland sunday england monday sweden tuesday really yep and then I got into the... And group. so are they their own series? Yeah. So I, I'm contracted to a Polish club. Yeah. Like... Um, so how's the club thing work? So, yeah, it's just a club. They they have the stadium and they sell the stadium out yeah. in like 20 minutes. Full stadium in Poland. And, um, yeah, like big sponsorship money, big TV deals. Um, it's, it's a big deal over there. Speedway, yeah. Speedway is like huge. What, what would the like, average attendance be in those stadiums? However, however big the stadium is. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, Lublin probably gets the most, maybe 20,000 yeah. every weekend. Um, I think ours holds 18 yeah. or 16. But yeah, sells out every week. So yeah, the some stadiums have like two stories. The our, the stadium that I race at in Poland, um, we had the new like a new stadium built on top of the stadium that's there. But because it's the old Olympic grounds that yep. Hitler built, it's got like a um, 
it's like a listed building, so they could only do like so much. So uh, they built like the stadium heritage. on one side, yeah. but they couldn't do it on the other side. Yeah. And yeah. like my boss is like pissed because he's like, man, like if I had that second side, it'd be full as well. Yeah, it would be killing it. Um, but yeah, so the Polish league, and then I signed a contract this year for the Swedish league. Yeah. So Sweden's on a Tuesday, Poland's on a Sunday. Yeah. That's the easiest way to look at it. Yeah. Poland's actually on Friday or Sunday. And then and then the UK stuff goes Sunday. I don't ride in England, so but yep. I did. Yeah, okay. UK is uh, Monday or Wednesday, so they run two nights of the week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when I was younger, it was pretty hectic. I was, like, travelling all over. Like, we'd, we drove to Poland for a practice from England, like, 24-hour trip. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so pretty much... That's pretty much it, really. And then the World Championships. So, like, for me, next year, I'll race at a Grand Prix on, on a Saturday. So let's just say the Grand Prix is in um, Germany. So that's the World Championship. The World Championship. Yeah. Where I represent myself and England. Yeah. And um, why England? Uh, when I was younger, I had more opportunities being British. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and So have you got, you got like dual passport? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So right now I'm actually Australian because I'm riding on my Australian passport yep. and my Australian... I took out an MA license when I got back here yeah. to ride in Adelaide and Brisbane yeah. and Perth and that. So, And then I just surrender my Aussie license when I'm done racing here and take out my ACU license and then run the World Championship season. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so what's the – how many rounds for the World Championships and then I, – I can't tell you. So there's 10 just, maybe okay, or 11 yeah, yeah. or 12. Yeah. I actually genuinely don't know. <laughs> I haven't even looked at the fixture list yet. Um so yeah, say say we race Germany on Saturday and it's the Grand Prix. So we do practice qualifying in the morning, race a Grand Prix at night, load the van up, drive from Germany to Poland, race Poland Sunday. Then the boys will prep the bikes on Monday. Yeah. They'll prep the bikes Sunday morning and then we'll race Sunday night. Then they'll be- prep the bikes Monday morning. Then they drive to the ferry at the top of Poland, get on the overnight ferry to Sweden, wake up in the morning in Sweden. We race Sweden Tuesday night. Then the boys try race back down to the ferry to get the overnight ferry because if they miss it they have to drive yeah. around and it's yeah. a bit longer and a bit harder for them but sometimes the tracks are too far away to make the the last ferry um yeah and then we do it all again next week and and so you'll be pretty much busy from like april to november april with, to with end of september yeah maybe yeah. the first week in october yeah and and so how does it work in terms of like the team like so do you just ride for yourself so it's not like teams is in the way that it is in like other um, no. motorsports no so in the world championships it's, it's very individual there's no team aspect so i run my team yeah um so i do all the sponsorship do all the logistics do all the like employ the boys pay them their wages pay all the bills sort the engine tuning out deal with the engine tuner um, order all the parts so the boys are now building my bikes for the coming season so we're you know we're going through every single piece they're, they're weighing every single item of the bike and buying something else from somewhere is that a bit lighter you know yeah. we save three grams on that so we'll take that one all that sort of stuff and then where can we shave weight off it and just trying to get it as light as possible and use a bit of ballast and put it in some different places which I've yeah. got some cool ideas to, to do with that so we're working on that currently um. Yeah, we we've got a few things in the pipelines which I'm looking forward to to running this year. Yeah. Um. 
and yeah, and then when when I race in Poland, that's team events. So there's seven riders in each team, and we go home and away. Yeah. So just like AFL or you know rugby or you know any other sport like that. So we go home and away all, all year, and all our points add up, and then semi-finals, finals, league oh, champions. And then, so that's how like the club thing. Yeah. Comes into it. So like yep. you ride for that club which yep. then submits a team which then does the home and aways and then yep. that there's like club chance so we race all that's around that's kind of cool eh? yeah so it's nice when you have a, a a bunch of guys that will race with you yeah like i'm probably one of the best guys at like team riding yeah like looking after i can spend more time looking backwards than i have to look forwards yeah okay so i'm i'm really good at like helping my teammate out and covering the track and you know making sure that we are where we need to be We'll put a, another race on from um, from Nations where I can show you that yeah, kind that'd of be like cool, yeah. the craft. Um, but when you're obviously racing in the team, some of the boys they're just like individual, yeah, just get yeah. their head down and go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes that's annoying because well, you'll, like you'll be you'll be like side sure. by side, yeah, and then your teammate will run you up the fence, push you out of the way, and then the you'll, other guy will come yeah, through, and yeah. then they'll pass them. Yeah. So it goes like from having five points to us and one point to the away team to then having a 3-3 three, three because yeah, one yeah. dude's one and then me and my teammate got second or third. Yeah. And it's all about like, yeah, being a, being a team. And then Sweden's the same teams and we travel around Sweden and do all the home and away stuff. So how many clubs are there that you go against? Uh, I think in Poland there might be eight. Yeah. Um, so you go or eight or ten. You go home and away twice and then quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. And then Sweden maybe six or eight yeah so like we're pretty busy when the season's underway it's it's hectic that's sick a and lot of so traveling. is there individual prize money for each event each round like that sort of stuff or is it uh like a bonus thing towards like just the, at the end or yeah so the the revenue comes in from a lot of different um different aspects because it's not like i'm on a motocross team and i'm getting paid a wage so yeah yeah um i have all my individual sponsors um, we do some social media stuff, so there's like a, a second avenue. Um, when I race in Poland, when I sign or Poland and Sweden, when I sign for the clubs, I get a sign on like Bonus. a, a sign yeah. on fee. Yeah, yeah. And then I get paid on how many points I score. Sick. Yeah. So like I get paid X amount per point, and I can score 15 points in a night. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it can it can be really good, but it can also be. Or you can just get nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's good. And then the world championship is just. Uh, placings per grand prix it's on yeah. a sliding scale yeah um yeah and then i've been pretty like switched on with all my my investing and stuff so we got like some rental properties and yeah you know got the house in perth paid for and house in england paid for well a big farm in england so we're in uh i'm, I'm very blessed to be in a, an amazing situation yeah um but yeah i've, I've worked hard for it yeah that's and there awesome, was times man. where like when we first went out to europe we, we lived in a caravan for three years like a big static caravan first year was with my grandma and so me my mum my dad my grandma um and then we needed our own space then it was me my mum my dad and my mechanic um and we went to like a real rough we went from my nan's on which is like a an old age pensioner site so we shouldn't have really been on there anyway yeah yeah and then we left that and then went on to this like one that was rough as guts with like yeah just druggies and people claiming benefits and but they all knew who I was and you know it was not a problem being there but it was it was um it was rough it was character building 
Yeah, dude, I bet. How's the how's the sport in general like of Speedway? Like, obviously, it's doing pretty good. Like, got TV deals. Like, we can pretty much watch what you guys do on Fox Sport, which is so Discovery just took over. Oh, yeah. Dude, so this really? was their first year. So oh. I see the sport um, like quadrupling. Yeah. In, their, in their viewers over the next like four or five years because what they want to do is they want to they have Discovery have like 900 channels yeah so they want to take the sport and say alright we want to do a GP in America yeah so all the free to air channels in the US yeah it just goes on there take yeah. it yeah and grow the numbers and then we'll go to a Grand Prix there when, when the time's right yeah and hopefully it's the same for all the countries like if they have that many channels, if they just put it on all the channels, our sport would just go insane. Yeah. What do you know when uh, like have you do you get to speak to anyone like at Discovery or have you yeah. do you get to be involved in that like so sort speak, of process at all? Uh, not really in that sort of process because yeah they'll have a um they'll have a a business plan of, yeah, of what yeah. they want to do and and how they're going to do it and I guess they don't really care what I think. I'm yeah. just a, a puppet that rides the bike, you know. But um, yeah, the the boss of Discovery, his name's Francois. Um, he's a real nice dude. I spent I, I speak to him quite a lot. Um, yeah, he wants to he wants to grow the sport. He loves it. That's so cool. They they just bought the rights to the UCI downhill stuff too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's sort of it's popping up on the the radar a little bit. It seems like they're really sort of trying to get into that world, eh? I feel like in the next few months, or well, they might have already done it, but they're merging with HBO. Okay. So, like, yeah, it's just... That's going to be a powerhouse. That's dude. humongous. Like, you can't even fathom what sort of pool they will have and what sort of money they'll have. Yeah. But anyway... Um, but so, like, I guess the moral of the story is the sport's in a pretty good place and you can make some decent money out of doing it. Yeah, I would... Like, I didn't really start making money until, like, 2013. Yeah. After I won my first world title because I was just plowing everything back in. Yeah. Every single penny that I got from it, I plowed it straight back into it. And then, um, oh yeah, well, I say that I bought a house and did a few bits and pieces and that. But yeah, yeah, but you need a house to live in. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's been good. It's it's not crazy money. Like we're not talking like F one. Yeah, we're not talking Supercross anything like that. But it's enough to, you know, be able to have a few nice bikes and yeah, live a comfortable life. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah I guess that there's just not. Oh, maybe it's the way to say it would be. It's getting harder and harder to like be a guy that can be at the top of a sport like that, and you know, in motor motor motorsports and make like a decent living. Maybe not the top, but you know, kind of in that in that yeah. sort of area. So I always said to like the people that run the sport in the UK, like go to the motocross track and watch like I don't know sixty five championship, and take forget the top ten but then take the next 30 kids and put them on a speedway bike because when they're 16 years old, they can ride in the lowest league for like 60 bucks a point. Yeah. You can score 15 points a night. Yeah. So like straight away from starting at the bottom, you so can cover your costs. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely cover your costs. Yeah. And have some pocket money. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not, I guess, uh, yeah, to us growing up, like we'd go to the speedway and you know like we'd always be watching it but it was just never really like yeah. a a lane to to kind of or like an avenue to kind of get into it i guess I, I think it's too hard to get into i think that's the problem yeah it's it's too um it's too niche yeah like you can't just go like ride motocross you can you just go to a dealership put your air filter cover on yeah. wash it 
pretty fresh air filtration job done. With these, if you like tried to just jet wash a bike, like your clutch wouldn't work, you'd be dragging. Yeah, just nightmare. Running on methanol and there's all that sort of stuff and yeah. them steel shoes that we wear on our feet. Like yeah, yeah. in Australia trying to find some colmanoid to put on the bottom of my steel shoe where it's worn away. Yeah. It's like they're like, Oh, what's colmanoid? I'm like, fuck. I just need to fix my steel shoe, mate, so I can go ride. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just very niche. So how how did you end up getting into it? It was a family thing. Yeah. So my dad actually used to race in England. Yeah. Um, which I didn't really know. It was never really spoke about yeah. as a kid, and I never remember going to the track. Um, and then we was riding at um, Daniel and Trevor Harding's house. So they're Daniel races sprint cars now. Um, comes over the east and goes out to the US and does all the racing out there. Um, they own Tucker Time back in the day for pets, the pet food. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Right. So uh, we went to their house to ride motocross because he had a track in his garden. And then when we was prepping the bike on the Saturday night, there was a speedway bike tucked away in the corner. And I just said, hey, Dad, I want to have a go at that. And he was like, yeah, not a problem. Like, you can't do both, so you have to pick which one you want to do. And I was like, have a crack at speedway because I have a attention span of a gnat. I'm very yeah. impulsive in everything I do. Um, so, yeah, it was a s- easy decision. Get rid of the 60 and buy a 125 junior speedway bike and yeah we went racing and it was just something that we did for fun on the weekends you know it wasn't serious yeah it was just like yeah dad obviously knew about it so it was probably easy for him um they didn't expect that they was probably gonna have to pack up and go back to england you know yeah but yeah it was um i did all the junior stuff we did one on the east coast in mildura and under 16 aussie titles my first race, my first race day on my 125, I'd only done like one practice session and they said, oh, we need, we've got an Aussie championship at Bribble Lake. We need to have some more numbers. If you yeah. can do a start you're and in. not stall it, you're in. Yeah, yeah. So stalled it three times and then did one without stalling it. They was like, you're in. <laughs> and then, so we did, we raced the Aussies the first, on the first day or in the morning and then in the afternoon was the best pairs championship. Yeah. And... Chris Holder was racing from he lives in Appen New South Wales I believe yeah, yeah. so he he was there and he didn't have anyone from New South Wales and he got paired with me and this is like 2000 this must have been 2012 uh, sorry 2002 or 2003 maybe anyway and we still race together now like he's in, he just signed for my Swedish team so no shit yeah That's... he's racing at Brisbane today no shit so he um he actually messaged me and said do you want to come and swing on the spanners tonight which I'm not doing. <laughs> Which, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we, that was the first time we met each other. And um, I missed a race because I was eating a hot dog. Like it was just so chilled. Like, yeah, yeah. It wasn't serious. But then boys obviously coming over to have a crack at it, they, they was they was all serious and keen. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's been a pretty wild, wild ride really. So, so when did you find out that your old boy raced and like what, what level did he get to? Like he just fully kept it on the down low pretty much. Yeah. So in England, you got like the beginner league, intermediate and expert. And he was like a good intermediate rider, like made a living out of it when he was, when he was younger. Um, and then obviously decided that he wanted to live in Australia. So he immigrated out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably when we got to Europe and then everyone was going oh you look like your old man like when you race and I'm like what do you mean yeah yeah and I was like hey dad do you used to race 
Yeah, it was it was like full download. Like that's wild that he just didn't really or, feel like he like or, had to tell you about it. Or I just, if it was ever discussed, I just wasn't listening. Yeah, 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 Which, yeah. That could have also happened. Yeah, I just can't ever remember it being spoken about ever. That's wild, eh? Mm. So when did I guess when did you start to think that it could be like a pathway to? Uh, I don't know, like a career sort of thing? Because there's kind of got to be a point where you're like, all right, I'm fucking doing it. Yeah, so when I was 15, I won the West Australian Championship on the Junior Speedway. Yeah. I think. Pretty sure that was 2005. And then I bought a... or my dad bought a 350 old school bike with the engine upright. So they ride completely different. These things, when you shut off the gas, they engine brake. Yeah. And these are old things. When you shut off the gas, the wheel catches up with itself. So you shut off and it goes again. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. But that's what I learned on. Um, and then dad bought me a 500 and then he was riding with me on the 350. Yeah. And then I went under him and he crashed into the fence and he was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not riding anymore. Um, and I think that was the point where it was like, okay, maybe he's like fast enough to go have a crack. Yeah. Because you don't forget. Like I could have three months off and jump on the bike and yeah, I'll yeah. just dump the clutch and yeah. wring its neck for four laps. So, like, my dad was okay at, like, good pace. So, yeah. I guess that was his, like, judge when he yeah, yeah. when he was really having to try to keep up with me and then when I kind of stuck him in the fence. Um, yeah, so we left... Oh, before we left, I broke my leg. So, it was, like, two weeks out before we flew. Yeah. And I was just being a goose like I normally do and was jumping on these trampolines at night when it was closed and I shouldn't have been in there and I had to jump over an electric fence and kind of zap me and flick me off and uh, landed on I landed with my legs like that uh, so my legs snapped on my other foot yeah yeah um, so yeah I had to have an operation and then we went to Europe in March with a broken leg to start my career fuck mm. that was a hard conversation my dad was like I'm laid in hospital bed. Yeah, and when know. I went down for the operation, I woke up and I was like, oh, like, what's it go? Like, is it all sorted? And mum's like, no, nah, you had a a scab on your knee. So they wouldn't cut your ankle open because they was worried oh, about infection. About infection yeah. So I had to stay a few days in hospital to get rid of you, like to clear that up before they'd operate on it. And then bought a motocross boot when we got to Europe and was riding in a motocross boot to keep it strong. Yeah, yeah. So I started riding like three weeks after, I think. And the first first practice session went down the straight, flat out at Scunny, Scunthorpe. Um, rear chain came off, straight in the fence, oh. bust my fingers. So it was, it, was a, it was a pretty bumpy start, but then after that, it was good. And then when I turned 16, so it would have been August. So we, we the, when I was 15, so it would have been, it would have been 2000, March 2006, so I would have turned 16 in August. Yeah. So leading from March to when we, I went there with a broken leg, leading up to my birthday, we rode at every single track in England. We just went there, they'd do their normal league race. And then when their league race is finished, I'd get to go out after and do a practice. So there'd be like fans in the stadium and then they all start talking. And so we kind of did the lap, which is, I guess, like an apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, and then August, I did my first race against the American Dream Team at Scunthorpe. Yeah and killed it and then um yeah then we signed for wolverhampton in the the in the top league and then they loaned me out to scunthorpe then the year after i went to rye house and then the year after that i went 2009 i rode it my first year at wolverhampton and that was like the top level yeah that's cool in england yeah 
it must be uh, it must be very different. Well, I guess just for the world that I guess I'm came from, but to to know that you're not going to ride for like a team essentially, and like the entire time that you're kind of building your career and like on the come up you're really in control of your own brand and your own image and like the way that your your bike looks and all that sort of stuff like it is that a pretty cool thing to have over maybe some of the other like motorsports in that sense um i don't know I never really looked at it like it's that. It's probably just, you've, yeah, you've never had to like think yeah, about it, but that's sort just of seems like, cool the way that you get to kind of be in control of so much stuff. You're literally in control of anything. So like any, any R&D that needs to be done, I have to do it. Yeah. I have to source someone, find it, show them design, discuss it, and like the whole process is all done through me. Mm. So that's hard sometimes. Like I haven't got a full factory team going, oh, let's try this, let's try that. And it's yeah. like I'll think of something out of the blue from maybe watching a cycling race or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then we'll go like, oh, let's try that. So there's like, yeah, there's little things like we, the front fork cover. Yeah. We reduced a lot of the material on it and just chopped it all off because it's just like you're pushing the wind. Yeah. It's like aerodynamics. Yeah, yeah. So it's, even now it's still like a, it's a flat plate that's pushing into the wind. So you know we've looked at different shapes that go right down the front to to get a different flow over it and changing the rear mud guard but then then it messes up the covers and then you got to think about the sponsorship branding and making sure that them like if you look at a picture of my bike from the right hand side you can tell what them logos are yeah whereas other guys they have like really crazy patterns with all sorts of colors and the logo just gets merged in yeah so I've always been one to like, like my covers are a little bit heavier, but they're made from like a vinyl. Yeah. So you can always just clean it, like spray it with a bit of silicone spray. You can get absolutely filled in, just grab a sponge, wipe it off, silicone spray, looks brand new. So just constantly making sure that they have that, yeah, that 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 logo on show all the time. Um, so sometimes we don't do things because of other things and that's just all part of, I guess, being in control of it all having yeah. it all yeah which I mean there's just not a lot of guys that are in the position you're in of like being one of the best guys in the world at a motorsport and you're in control of everything of everything yeah and I'm sure that that comes with some good shit and some bad shit too at times like is there anyone that's like a factory rider for it's just not really a thing in, in no. that sport no your closest thing you get to being a factory rider is being the best rider in your team in Poland. Okay. And what, what benefits would that, that afford you? Just get paid a fuckload more. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's it really. But um, there, there is a dude, there's an American dude, Greg Hancock, who like was in a team years and years ago, but it just kind of like fizzled out. So I don't know yeah. if it just didn't work or... Because I wonder how many of those bikes that sell a year. Well, the bikes are so custom, man. Like, Yeah, so how do you even go about buying one? Yeah. <laughs> You buy the parts and build it. Really? Yeah. So you can buy a a complete Jawa bike. Yeah. They're from Czech Republic with a Jawa engine, which you would have rode. That's what I would have rode, yeah. Jawa clutch. Everything's from the factory. But if you want to race in the world championships, you might just keep the chassis and that's it. Fuck, really? You guys do that much to them? Yeah. So rental bars and then your clamps on the top will be 
bought from, in my opinion, I buy the lightest ones I possibly can, then send them off to the machine shop and see if we can shave a bit more of it. Um, I use Jawa front leading link forks. Um, so we'd take off their damper and put the Olins on the front, which I developed with the Olins in 2015. That's cool. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, it started off as a Red Bull rookie rear shock yeah. without the spring. Oh, right. Yeah. So we, we've been working on that. Now they manufacture them, which is cool. Um, and then like the clutch comes from NEB in England. You change your engine plates. They'll come from maybe the parts guy in Denmark and then the frame has come from Czech Republic the wheels come from Germany you know, the chains come from Regina and like you just, you just you just gather up all the parts and then when the bike's complete you send it to the people that make the covers and they make sure all the covers right and it all fits and the press studs are in the right place and they're very very custom yeah it's you can't just a... walk into a shop and like buy a KTM or buy a Honda or yeah yeah, yeah. and if you can it's a that's not worth riding you'd yeah. probably ride it a few times and then you'd, everything would start breaking and yeah yeah it seems like it's so true to the heritage of it in a sense and it's like I think it's probably the same with sprint cars even and like maybe even stock cars with, in the US with like NASCAR it's like they got the original formula and it's not about making the bikes better and better and better or the cars better and better and better it's like this is what this is the way that we've built these bikes and now let's go racing that sort of seems like the vibe that's i think that's where you get to the marginal gains so then you like instead of saying you know let's take off that complete speedway chassis and put a motocross chassis on it yeah well you'd take that chassis and go okay how can we make that two percent better and then you do that with everything and before you know it you're 200 percent better off if you look at the bike and go how can i make that 100 percent better you can't physically do it yeah but you can do a hundred one percent. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I wonder about like fuel injection and shit. I can't. If you can't. It's limited. Oh, okay. So that's limited by yep. the by F-I-M. the rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can't have fuel injection. Uh, I had every single nut and bolt titanium on my bike, which was a hell of a lot of work. And uh, one of the English dudes bought his bolts from Poland, and the grade of al- the grade of titanium wasn't good enough, and it snapped which meant his front forks pretty much dropped out oh. going into the corner. So then FIM just put a ban on all titanium bolts. Fuck. Yeah. So like anywhere where it's like an engine bolt or a uh, clamp bolt for your handlebars, um, axles, all that stuff, you, you can't have titanium now. Yeah. There's a few things that are really frustrating, but it's one of them things like, the people that are in charge are old dudes. Yeah. And they're just happy to just keep it running. Keep it running. as it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which they're kind of right. Like, don't change it if it's not broken. Well, how much weight would it save to have a full titanium bolt kit through your bike? Uh, I couldn't tell you. It's all on the computer. Yeah. Yeah. We've got everything. So, like, when I was saying the boys were weighing the bikes, I can show you the pictures. I've got rear chassis on scales yeah. being weighed. And it's like, okay, let's let's try that one this year. Yeah because um, I developed my own we, we changed the bend in it and we twist tested them and we tested that bike and we tested another bike with, like with a different chassis um, to understand the flexes and you know what they was doing um, I have all the, the, the computer drawings on my on my email and um, that was a good process of, of doing that and yeah. we, we, we bent the top tubes of the rear frame to give us more downforce at the start yeah. to, to force it into the ground more 
Um, but yeah, we developed them like five years ago and somebody's took some really good pictures of my bikes and them frames are everywhere now. That's just the, that's just the standard. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I bet that, uh, I bet that like news travels fast in that, in in that scene. eh? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's stupid. I, I keep it very much on the down low. What's going on? Yeah. And even some stuff that I'll, I might like bring apart or an engine will come for testing and it's got something and my mechanics don't even know what's in it. Yeah, really? Just me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to know what the go is with that. Yeah. Just bolt it in and let's go test it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good though. It's, um, you need to just be on it. It's a world championship. Yeah. We're racing for a world title, so I'm very open with everyone about everything. Yeah. That's just how I am, who I am as a person and how I've always been. So I actually really have to before I open my mouth I'm like yeah I shouldn't discuss that because does he need to know that yeah. really won't help me in the future <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but yeah. I have to have a word with myself sometimes no no it, it makes sense well I think the the thing is too is that you're just like you said you're just chasing these crazy one percents yeah. and it's such a you know when you've got four guys racing for four laps over one minute like that's just not enough that's not enough time I'm sure that there's times where it feels like a lifetime though when you're out there. So, like, you got to think about it. Like, when we're all racing, we all give or take. We have the same clutches, same wheels, same tires, same chassis. Like, the majority of the top boys in the world are on the same gear. Yeah. Because it's just the best of what there is. Yeah. And then your marginal gains, like, they're they're probably not going to make you win a race, but it's just that probably in your head as well you know that you've gone that extra little bit and the last two years have been really shit for me like i finished sixth last year and i was already the year the year before so 2021 yeah and then i finished eighth in 2022 so yeah i've I've had like a what's the what's the reasoning there you reckon if you could put it down to something oh um man that's a good question I, i i don't know like we, we moved out to Poland um, during COVID. Um, that was tough, being in a country where you don't speak their language. Yeah. And um, just constantly having it, constantly having speedway, speedway, speedway. Um, I think Hurling spoke about this on the pod when he was like, he's all in. Yeah. And he was talking about Kai Rowley, like how he goes out on the boat and he completely switches off. Yeah. So I'm the Kai Rowley. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. When I go home... I don't want anyone in to discuss it in the house. Yeah. Like I'm going home, going home. So there was a lot of there was a lot of it all the time. Um I probably wasn't riding enough. I yeah. just did Poland in the Grand Prix. Um so that's why I signed a contract in Sweden for next year. So we're racing more. Yeah. An extra day a week at least. Um the guy that was tuning my engines before, I felt like they wasn't what they was when yeah. I won the world title in 2018 2019 was okay I finished second in the world I think in 2019 but then like from 2020 onwards they just wasn't like at the pointy end yeah um, but I persevered 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 and then this year I oh, sorry last year 2022 I changed engine tuner after the first round of the world title because I think I finished like second last scored two points yeah and just because like it, it just wasn't going yeah like I was slow yeah um 
so I changed engine tuner, but then you change engine tuner, you start from scratch. Yeah. So I've been on the back foot all year. Yeah. Because the other guys in the championship that race my engine tuner's engines now, they've been riding his stuff for two years. Yeah. So they've already had two years of understanding what they want from an engine, what they need, how they want it to be set up, what flywheels they want, what cams they want. The communication between back and forth. So, so all that. So we've had a really busy year this year. Just like I rocked up to the Polish Grand Prix in Warsaw with a brand new motor that I haven't done a lap on. Fuck. And we're, we're going testing in a Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. Because I had to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this year was tough. And then like I'd come home and I'm pissed because of road shit. Yeah. Well, not because I've road shit, I just haven't... Yeah, you yeah, kind of just bit bury of, yourself of, a bit, eh? Yes, and it just got worse and worse. And I'd say I was, I was, I would say I was borderline depressed this year. Yeah. Pro- like, probably. I was coming home and I was sucking about it and still doing everything I possibly could to, to make it better. And that's good because in one aspect, it shows me that I still want to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I know yeah. that, like, if I didn't get pissed off about it, then... You don't care. I'm, I don't care. That's sort of one of the. That sort of was going to be a direction I was going to go. Was just like you've won three world titles, so it's like, you know, for some people, it would be like there's some people that win a world title and just are like, fuck, all right, well, I didn't really feel the way that I thought it would feel, or there was some kind of like hollow, you know, something about it was hollow. Or then, you know, then they win another one and then they're like, well, fuck, like how many of these things do I have to win? And, you know, to be a person that's won three of them. For it's me, like, the first one was special. Yeah. That was like everything I'd ever done involved with Speedway was all geared up just to do for that. that. Yeah. And then the second one was just like, oh, sweet, we won. Let's focus on the next one. Yeah. Like, it was just like business then. Yeah. And then the third one was, um, that was quite like a high pressure last Grand Prix of the the year yeah um, decider yeah yeah so that was um, which that's got to be like kind of cool to go through right and no, to actually shit. yeah but to come out on top <laughs> to come out on top was good <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, I um, can imagine the pressure was fucked the two weeks leading up like I was having like random people call me like offering help like oh like you know we don't want that guy to win you know what can we do like what do you need because I hadn't won a Grand Prix for like 2018 I might have only won two Grand Prix, possibly. Um, and this, the later half of the season, I was tapering off. Yeah. And then we got to like two weeks out from the last round, we was in Germany, made it to the semis, made it to the final, won the GP, had a 10-point lead going into the last, championship, last round of the championships, which isn't a lot because yeah. you can score like 21 points, I think, Yeah. in a Grand Prix night. Then we get to Torren and I think I win my first race and have a big crash, like flick myself over the bike at the end of the straight and got up from that, walked off the track, regathered myself, made the semi-finals, made the final, won the Grand Prix, still had a 10-point lead. Um, but that two weeks between, I was a very hard person to be around. Really? Yeah. Just the pressure of life. Just, yeah, just... Oh, fuck, it makes sense. From wanting to win it that bad and knowing that I'm capable of doing it. Um, and, yeah, it was it was just a lot of pressure, man, like, yeah. I, that I just put on myself. Yeah. And I just put myself in a situation where I was, like, like face said saying, and I just, like, snapped. I was, like, just... Oh, she was laughing. She was, like, trying to make me laugh. I'm, like, stop fucking trying to make me laugh. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. Yeah. yeah. 
And like, there was just no need for me to be an asshole like that. Yeah. But it was just because of the build up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that was like the night before the Grand Prix or something. It's just a level of, uh, it, that, that's a level of pressure I could have never felt, you know? Like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's big. Yeah. And you, it's all on you. And I, and I think, I mean, for the times that, like, I've said it before, like, I don't, I don't, I've never really cared about like a motocross race because I was just never that good at it. But then I go to like a jiu jitsu comp and you're by yourself and I mean you've done some you know fighting sort of shit so like you kind of you understand that feeling too but it's like you go there you're by yourself it's just you and another person everyone's looking at just you two there's nowhere to hide there's no second third fourth there's not it's just just you and it's almost like, I mean the way that I describe it is like I, I honestly don't care about winning I just don't want to fucking lose and winning is the only way you not lose yeah See, I've never looked at it like that. I just want to win at everything I do. Yeah. Okay. Everything. Yeah. Like, I'll be walking down the street and I'll, I set these like micro challenges. So I'll be walking down the street and I'll like, I'll have a good pace on and I'll be like, oh, I need to pass this person in front of me before that street light. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I need to do that before that shop or I want to pass that car before that road sign. Yeah. And I'm like that with everything I do. And like Faye was, um, she was doing something the other day. We were both doing something. And we was doing the same thing. I can't remember what it was. It was just something in the house. Maybe it was building a, a cupboard or something. And I'm like screwing them in. Like, and I'm watching her. And she's faster. like, you're watching me. You're raising me. I'm, yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. She's like, you're an idiot, man. But yeah, just everything. And so, like sometimes sometimes I have to really sit back and go like, like look at what I've got and appreciate it because yeah. I'm always I'm always looking for something else. Yeah. I'm never satisfied. Yeah. Like I backflip my BMX bike and then I was like, I'm going to backflip a motocross bike. Went to Sheenies, backflip a motocross bike. And I was like, I want to double flip. I was actually meant to double flip this trip. That's right. You were telling yeah. me about that. I would, the plan was to come over, jump on the pod, go to Harry's compound, stick a double backflip and go on the, go wakeboarding with Harley Clifford. Yeah. So you everything. Are trying to double backflip to dirt or to no, just the airbag? So I wanted to do it at Harry's because... Sheenie's foam pit is small. Mm. Like, it is small. Yeah. And, yeah, nah. and he hasn't got the, um, he hasn't got a super kicker, mm. the like, moon booter that they use. So, like, Harry's setup's the safest. As much as weird as that sounds, it's the safest yeah, yeah. It's place the to do a double backflip. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I want to do it. I believe I can do it. I will do it. Um, but yeah, I just don't think, um, I don't think Harry was too keen this year because I don't really know him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Fair. There's probably a bit of like responsibility yeah. on his shoulders if yeah. something was to go wrong. Yeah. But I'm here for it, man. Like I'm I'm constantly pushing the envelope. I'm constantly striving to do more things. Like I wanted to skydive, so I started skydiving. I've done like, I don't know, thirty jumps and yeah. now I want a base jump. So this is the thing where it's like always wanting more. Yeah. So like I want to jump out of a helicopter, I'll do that this summer. They uh, skydive out of a helicopter. I want to jump out of a hot air balloon, and I just I'll do it, and then I'll be like, "What's next?" Yeah. And there's yeah. just always there's always something else, and I don't know I don't know what that's gonna do to me, like in twenty years time. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it can't be healthy. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think it is long term. Like, there's a, uh, I mean whatever way you kind of slice it i guess it sort of comes down to ego but it's like there's a because you can't be competitive without ego 
So it's like there has to be like there's some form of ego that's going on with with any kind of competition or like any mm. wanting and other things. So it's like, but you know, you, you when you're a professional athlete and your results are you know tied to winning and being competitive, like you have there's a form of that ego that you kind of have to embrace, and that's Probably. the only way that you can actually. Well, otherwise you wouldn't give a fuck if you got second, third, but like mm. it's just it's by definition goes against what you're trying to do. But yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's probably something that you just have to reconcile maybe in like the different areas of your life where like the the winning or the, you know, it's not centered around, or I guess like your, you know, your income, your, you know, you don't, you don't need to win in certain certain areas. So it's like maybe they're only there, the areas yeah, where you like, you need to, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe they're the areas. Because you don't want to take away the competitive nature in in the thing that like literally brings in the cash for you. you know? Yeah, for sure. And I don't think I'd ever try and rein it in until like I was finished yeah. doing what I'm doing. Yeah. But like I went to watch Fisher play in Perth. Oh, sick. And I was like, dude, if he was a pro surfer, yeah, yeah he can do that. Yeah. I can do it. Yeah, yeah. So I went straight to Lab 6, a music school in Perth. Yeah. Done a 10-week course in five days. No shit. Yeah. That's pretty sick. So I can DJ. How good's that? Yeah, sick. <laughs> yeah. I was sat on the plane the whole way here, like four and a half, five hours, just smashing beats on my laptop and setting them all up. And That's so epic. I'm trying to... Um, I actually met a guy that owns... Uh, uh, what's the club called? He owns a club on the Gold Coast. Mate, um, uh, two Alex, seconds. What clubs are on the Gold Coast? <laughs> no, nah, I've, I've got it here. Um, Dude, I don't even know the last time I was in a club on the Gold Coast. It's been a hot minute for me. So they was coming back from Bali via Perth. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I said to him, like, we were just chatting away and he told me that, about the club and I was like, oh, see, I've just learned to DJ. I was like, do you do Tech House? Oh, Casablanca. Okay. You heard of that? Where is it? I think it's the same. They're just doing a big refurb. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I was, I was like, oh, if you ever do a Tech House night, let us know I'll come DJ it that's so sick I'll fly out and he's like yeah yeah we're on about once you've done the refurb we're on about doing it on the weekend yeah so hopefully fly out for that I've got a few gigs lined up in Perth before really? I fly back to Europe that's rad yeah there's a place called The Vault it's like a tech house club yeah 9pm till um, 5am so that was were you, you were obviously into music before nah <laughs> Really? Not at all. I like going to f- festivals and getting fucked up with the boys. And yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah, sort of yeah. the music, I guess. So, yeah, I like that tech house, bass house, drum and bass. Yeah, yeah. Like, all that stuff. Dude, how big is drum and bass in, in West Oz? Oh, I they feel like it's big here as well. Over this side? Yeah. Oh, not like there, bro. Like, Lude posts some videos and there's some, like, six setups over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, there was the first time... I really got exposed to like this whole new wave of drum and bass. Like, I'm, dude, when I was a kid, drum and bass was like a thing that people were into. But then I don't know, I fucking got into everything else after it. But uh, when we went to Farm Jam in like 2020, it was just fucking drum and bass, and like this whole New Zealand crew with no fucking shirt, no shirt on, freezing cold, just fucking sweaty chest hair out, just like going to drum and bass the whole time. And yeah. then uh, they had like a cool. Um, 
DJ do the after party then and it was just like a full on drummer based fuck fest yeah, day. It was sick. unbelievable. I, I and then see since all these then boys it was just on like Instagram. fully on the radar of Perth. Like that's all like you know, like Jaden Fabridge, you know those, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that that whole crew they love it. Eh? It's fucking unreal. Um, who lives here now from Perth? Um Brady. Brady Brady Thomas. Do you know Brady? Nah. Brady yeah. works at um he does graphics. Or he does some graphics. Oh, r- rival. Possibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Um, so he's he's big into it as well. So I always see it pop up on his Instagram and that. Yeah, that's kind of. A, I'm hoping that my followers translate across. Yeah, yeah. Because like, man, traveling the world DJing after I finish doing this, like, yeah, that'd be insane. How many years do you think you got left doing it? I don't know. You're 32 man. now, eh? Yeah. Wow. What's old. the What's the like age? No, like, ain't. They're just yeah, because I feel like you could keep doing this for as long as you could. As long as you stay motivated. Wanted to wanted to do it. Yeah. As long as you stay motivated. Um, you know, you don't have to be. We're not pumping ourselves like motocross boys. Like it's yeah. it's relatively easy. My heart rate might go up to like one forty at a Grand Prix during a race. Yeah. Some guys are like maxing out at like two oh one before the start. They're probably not breathing <laughs> on the limiter like, for the race either. Um. Yeah, so stay out of injuries and, and stay motivated. Could probably do another ten years. Yeah, and you like you could see yourself going for that long. <sighs> I don't know. I d- I don't know what I'd do after. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's all I know. Yeah. Like I don't know, maybe if my if my Spotify takes off and I'm pro DJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to back with Fisher on festivals, then yeah, maybe that's uh different story but maybe we can discuss that when it's happening yeah yeah, yeah. dude the uh the whole fisher thing so he uh i was following him way back in the day like follow the fish tv just dude when i was like i remember i was living in the u.s so it was probably like 2012 2013 and i just started surfing and i was like following all the like aussie surfer boys and yeah he was like on the world like he wasn't on the world tour but he was like following the tour around <laughs> just making follow the fish tv and it is a fucking trip to see where he's at like i saw they announced him as the the not the headline at coachella but like the one one today one under like what the that's incredible like that's as big as it gets yeah and he's gone like back to back with chris lake so chris lake's his ghost producer yeah yeah so that's why like fisher might be able to make like a a bit of a beat i don't know don't know him personally but Chris Lake's making him the bangers. Yeah. Like that's what dude, I had dinner with Chris Lake in Perth. Oh really? On, on that September trip. Yeah. No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually didn't have really any idea who he was and then we, we left dinner and the boys like sent me some songs and I was like <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> like he's, he's serious. We we were supposed to catch up. He played in Brisbane the next week, but we didn't didn't mm. end up making it happen. I didn't know that he was like his ghost producer. Yeah. Every, like everyone knows that or that's like a If you Google it, then you can okay. find out. Yeah, yeah. But um so I've got a um I've got a dude a drum and bass DJ in the UK. Yeah. He's um very well known in the UK. Yeah. And here. Yeah. Like if he came to Perth or if he came to anywhere in Aussie, everyone would know who he is. Yeah. Um, what's his What's his Spotify? Uh, Mackie G. Go find it. You know Mackie G? There we go. Let's play some fun. So I spoke Mackie to him. G. I was like, dude, like 
can you guys produce for me? Because I speak to him on WhatsApp. I know him, like, he's been to a few races and stuff. That's it. Was he into racing before? No, I just, uh, I don't know, like, I might have commented on one of his posts at a festival or something and he replied and that Mackie G tour is such a banger, dude. Yeah, play that tour. Let's go. I'll need to... Just wait for the drop on this. But anyway... Um, go back, go back. He's going to ghost produce for me, so... That's so sick. Yeah. So he's UK, dude. Yep. That's pretty cool, man. Look at them numbers, dude. They're big numbers. Fuck, 70 mil. Can the listeners hear this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's so sick what is it about that shit eh? like it's fucking oh. unreal it's better when you absolutely roast it as well at yeah I know, like, yeah there's uh there's definitely something something about that oh, i saw something the other day it was like um oh, i was saying about being young and being at a festival and wouldn't even question triple dropping something <laughs> that some random's given you uh, yeah but you're at the shopping at the supermarket checking the back of like a bacon packet or something yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i was yeah. like fuck that resonates so well with me dude that's like i mean different topic completely but it's like the a lot of the anti-vax thing that you know that was going on like when covid first came out i was like bro since when are you scared of drugs <laughs> like yeah, i've exactly. seen you do all the fucking <laughs> drugs why are you carrying on about this yeah uh, no that's great we um different that, different vibe it's but. actually funny i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but um you can you can buy it in europe what's that you vax yeah right so i have like four jabs I'm f- i've had the four yeah yeah you've had them all but i haven't had one <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 it's good i got the pdf which says everything so well poland was probably uh quite an easy place to get to get the uh to get actually, whatever you want yeah i actually didn't get it from poland but yeah yeah okay close yeah yeah close fair. place yeah yeah fair fair <laughs> no it's um yeah this oh, dude that whole covid situation is wild hey? you just can't you can't get your head around what happened to the world dude it was it just stopped it was a trip to live through bro the whole world stopped man yeah we uh i mean when you were talking before about you know like living in poland and, and like kind of being depressed through that sort of time like Dude, you hadn't been home for two years, hmm. two and a half years away from your family. Like, I wouldn't want to live in Poland. Like, that's probably not the, I think the weather, you know, like not li- not knowing the language. There's, you know, there's a lot going on to, ah, fuck bro. Like when you're from Oz and you can't come back home, like look at Ricardo, man. Like he struggled hard for that. It was like two years where he didn't come home, you know, like, and that's a, He's got a fucking... He's got a pretty cool job. Like, he's a pretty cool guy. You know, like, even... It doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, you could be that dude, but you can't stay away from home for too long. And it's just... You're right. Like, we just have it so good. And when you... When you go and you live in another place and you live in another country, like, even for me in America, I was just like, fuck, I love Australia, bro. Mm. Like, this place is unbelievable. And I think when you... You know, when you know that and you experience other places and you can't be at home, like, that shit has to take a toll on you. I think, like, it was catch-22 because I was with Faye and the kids every yeah. day. So you had your family. So I had, like, immediate family, um, wife and two kids, which was which was great. Um, but, yeah, just the, the whole process of just doing life together and just trying to figure it out, and it was tough. Yeah. Like, it was hard. I'd never do it again. Yeah. But I'm also confident that 
if we had to go live in any country in the world, not a problem. Yeah. We could go do it. Yeah. You know, like Google Translate, the app. It's insane. Just got flogged on everything because everything was Polish. Yeah. You call someone up, no English. Yeah. Like you call the gas company, no English, man. It was, so like I'd have to call someone to come and help me and speak on my behalf and they just do things differently. Anyway, it was was, just draining. It was, it was was draining. It was stressful. It was draining. Couldn't come back to Australia. And when I sat down at the end of this, like the end of last season and looked at the championship and was finished eighth and wasn't happy with how my year's been. And then me and Faye started discussing it all. And we both agreed that we, you know, didn't want to be in Poland, didn't want to live there. Um, we both agreed that we have to go back to Australia. Like we have to, we need it in our yeah, lives. Yeah. So that was like two two big things. So we're moving country again. We're going back to Australia where we haven't been for two and a half years. Signed a contract in Sweden. Uh, offloaded three people that that was working with me. So I was had like six employees. So I offloaded three of them because I can do it with three. Um. Back to an English speaking country. Started Where, so, whereabouts are you going to go back to? England. Back to England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, started working again with a sports psychologist. Um, like all these things that happened in October. Yeah. Was huge changes. Like, got rid of my manager. So now I'm like, he, he was helping with sponsorship stuff, but wasn't really finding me any new ones. He was just keeping the one sweet that was there. Yeah. I was like, fuck, I can do this shit. So. Yeah. And there was some other issues where he like started helping another rider that I raced in the championship with. So yeah. got a bit funny. So we, we 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 wrapped that up. Stopped vlogging because that was a bit of a, a payload. Yeah. Um, the merchandise dude was like a fucking drama. Every every time he came over, it was just drama. Yeah. So yeah, we just had a full revamp, man. Like yeah. just hit the reset button. Yeah. Going to Australia. I've got like haven't replied to an email for like a month and a half yeah i really need to have a catch-up yeah yeah <laughs> um nothing that like i, I can, I can leave it keeper, yeah. yeah but yeah just big reset yeah. ready to take it on this year yeah because i yeah i feel like sometimes you can me i've felt like this with the pod too you know like i always say to people that just like sometimes it just feels like being on a fucking runaway train you know and like you're never like ahead of it you know, you can get to a certain level where you're like having a certain amount of success, but to have that success, you have to put so much of your life on the back burner. And then like you end up getting to a certain level where it's like sustainable, you're doing good, you're here now. All right, sweet. But then all the things that you lagged on in your life to get to that point slowly start to catch up on you. So then it's like you spend a few years of your life just like dealing with all the fucking problems that you created for yourself in a way by like being single-minded focused and you know i mean yeah like i even feel like that a bit like especially i think the start of a new year you know you just like you sit down you're like righto how can i trim the fat how can i be more efficient how can i be more productive like i mean even me and sammy we sat on the phone out the front here today for like 40 minutes i'm just like you gotta do this you gotta do that like uh, you spend too much time worrying about this you spend too much and we've all kind of you know got those things because life just has like that way of like building up the momentum you know yeah it's um it's mad for sure for for us a big thing was covid because we knew we was going to live in poland so we rented the farm out she was meant to buy it in april she still hasn't bought it like this april yeah she still hasn't bought it so we're nearly like 12 months down the line 
So she's going to get, probably going to get the flick at some point. I called the housing people, put it on the market. We sold the Polish house, got the money on the 2nd of December. That's now prepping to buy, get a mortgage for this. So since COVID, we're, we're still not set up. Yeah. We're not in a bad position. Yeah, yeah, but you're not. But we still dialed, have, like, yeah. we still have issues, man. Like, I'm yeah. going back to Europe on the 20th of February and we don't have a house to live in. Yeah, yeah. At this point right now. Yeah. And we're trying to get a mortgage to buy one that we found and there's other people viewing it and we might miss it. And then there's nothing really that's going to suit our family. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sale in the village that we want to live in so we're, we're pushing hard to try and do that and um like i said it's it's not a bad position to be in and i'm very lucky and very privileged that we have that problem yeah but we still have issues like yeah, yeah, yeah. Faye's not coming i'm not i'm not going back to europe with Faye and the kids yeah because like i'm our stuff's in poland in storage because we saw we put everything in storage before we came to perth sold the house so when I get back, I fly back to Poland on the 20th of February. Hopefully we've got a mortgage for the new house, which I told them has to complete by the end of the first week in March. Then I've got to send all the stuff from Poland to England. Then when I've done my training camp, go back to England, set the house up, then call Faye and go, all right, babe, you ready? Jump on a flight. Come over. So got a bit on. But yeah. that that's that's it then. Then we'll yeah. just have the house in England, the house yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Fly between them both, and it'll be cruisy. Yeah. But it should have been like that from the start. Maybe. 2019, yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah. And COVID just made a mess of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. It's gnarly. Yeah. Like buying a house in Poland and doing like probably could have rented. Maybe didn't need to buy. Yeah. Made a good investment. Made some good money on it. So that like, yeah, financially it was a good option, but. Maybe it was just easier to just rent something at the time. Yeah. What was the what was the, what was the war situation like there too? Was that weird kind of living there through through some of that stuff at the start? Yeah, we had some discussions. I bet. Dude. Yeah, like if it gets bad, if Poland was to go They're into right war, there, bro. We said we'll just load the car up and just drive to the bottom of Italy. Yeah. We'll just have a year off. Yeah. Forget about Speedway. We'll just pull the pin on it for twelve months. What was the They're vibe the sort of, like there? Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was normal. Really? Yeah. So if you if you got Poland like that, um, my mechanics live in Jezhov, which is right in the bottom right, yeah. which is like twenty kilometers to Ukraine. Yeah. So they're right on the border. So their town has an airport. So their town just became the U.S. city. Really? Oh yeah. Everything: trucks, planes, tanks, you name it. They, so they the just U.S. Filled, just like rolled. They just in rolled there. into that airport. How heavy? And unloaded everything took every property that was available yeah like he said you go out on the weekend and go into the bar and if you're polish you don't understand anything because they're all yeah, talking english yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like some people probably wouldn't speak english down where they're from and we're from roswav which is the other side that's where we was living so it's yeah. the other side so closer to germany and we don't watch the news yeah we limit what we can see on socials don't listen to the radio because it was polish yeah so we just like you know just in a bubble we were in a little bubble yeah. but we knew what was going on yeah but then because everyone's talking in Polish if you sat at a dinner table yeah you yeah. don't know yeah it, that's actually really funny like we sat down for dinner and when we we went back to England for a week and we was like listening to other people's Dude, conversations it's fucking weird <laughs> and we right? was like holy shit they speak like they're English what yeah, were they talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. after hearing like for, you know Polish for months and months and months yeah 
So that was that was quite funny. But anyway, yeah, there was the only thing I noticed was there was cars. There's a few cars with Ukrainian plates. Yeah. And if you go into a shop, you can hear like a you you can tell the difference between a Polish accent and Ukraine. and a Russian accent and yeah. a Ukrainian one. Yeah. So you got Russian and Polish, and the Ukrainian kind of sits in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of Polish with a bit of Russian. Yeah. Like yeah. a Russian accent. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, but uh, even now we're sat here doing this podcast. I've been laid on the beach all morning. Yeah. And there's cunts in Ukraine with no heating, no electricity, holding guns while their families live in Europe. It's insane, bro. So, like, obviously through, like, with my missus, like, that first week, dude, we were in Bali and um, it was fucking hectic. Like, full, just all the like the messages i mean she had a uh, one of her best friends was pregnant just about to pop like due pretty much uh in a week after like the russians went in there and uh and then so she was in like a she had complications with the baby so she was in a hospital in kiev while kiev was getting bombed and we're just like my missus is just sitting in bali like supposed to be the nicest you know, like you're on this kind of sick, mm. sick deal, and like just the legitimate like stress and anxiety. Like she was fucked, dude, for like probably two weeks, and I felt useless. Like I couldn't understand any of the conversations that were going on. Like not, you know, I, all I could see was like the raw emotion on like her side, talking to her mum, and like fuck. I was just like, bro, we're so, we're so blessed. Yeah, man. To, like that's just dumb luck that we're not them you know and uh yeah just to they've just been living like that for fucking ages like yeah like nearly almost a year dude it was february when when that shit went down wow so yeah like it's crazy and to the same thing like being in you know spending six weeks in dubai recently everyone speaks all of everyone can speak english there but there's the workforce like the general workforce in Dubai's like immigrants hmm. so you're hearing like uh, Indian Pakistani like you're hearing like Thai you know you're hearing all these Full different mixture. yeah and I remember just sitting for like six weeks basically because I was there by myself just listening <laughs> to me and my own thoughts for six weeks and like every other fucking language it's a trip when you're living in that and then you come back world. here and you sit down in a restaurant and, and you, you hear just people overhear talking everything you're, like, you're just like fuck it you're right like yeah. settle down <laughs> like speak it's up weird, bro. Hey? yeah oh man no that would have been crazy living there through that time dude yeah it was um we just had that conversation of if it happened what would we do and yeah the thing was to just load the car up and drive to the bottom of Italy and <clears throat> it's kind of like the furthest point south you can get. Yeah. Or bottom of Spain. Um, That's crazy that the US were just like buying shit up right yeah, on the border. Yeah, it just took over. Um, Jezhov, it's called. That's so gnarly, mm. dude, eh? I don't know what the population of it would be now, but I'd tell you to Google it, but I'd, it's a fucker of a thing to spell. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to spell it. It's sure. Jezhov, but it's like R-Z-E-S-O... Yeah, no, no. It's like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Stick that's, to English. Yeah, that's a whole rubber hole. I can actually stuff. like speak Polish. I can, I can get by. What? Yeah. What's the? What's the? Is it like based off Russian at all, or is it a different language completely? Nah, different language. Okay. Russians can speak. Uh, Russians can understand Polish. Yeah. Polish yeah. can't understand Russians. Yeah. Okay. Um. So like with the, with all that war stuff, so like speedway was the only sport that 
or I think the only sport in Europe that banned um, that banned Russians. Oh, really? Yeah. So they got the Russians got kicked out of the Grand Prix. Was there many Russians that did? Two. Okay. And the current world champion. Oh. Got spat. No shit. Yep. How do you how do you feel about that? I mean, it's better for you. It's <laughs> politics. Don't even want to get involved in it. Yeah, Sad because yeah. I like the dudes. Yeah. Also, it is understand. a bummer, eh? Yeah. And whenever, like, you watch UFC and, yeah. and, you know, all the other sports that are just continuing to go about their business. Well, Bob Rashev, the motocross rider, he mm. got fucking axed. He couldn't do the World Motocross Championship. Yeah, right. Maybe, yeah. it was, maybe, F, maybe it was a thing with FIM then. It's a crazy thing, though, because, I mean, as, and again, like, seeing the position that my missus was in, like, there was probably, like, five months where, like, she couldn't, well, she still, everything's just gone. Like, mm. all of her Russian accounts, Russian, Spotify, Google, you gone. Yep. Literally, for until she could figure out a new solution, I literally was just, like, having to give her money every single week because there's physically no way. Yep. All of her books, all, like, her iBooks on her phone, mm. gone. gone. Everything, dude. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I get it in the one sense of you need to put, like, sanctions and all that sort of shit. But, like... That it doesn't really affect Vladimir Putin. Like I'm, no. I'm pretty sure if he wanted to watch Spotify or fucking watch YouTube, like he's got it figured out. So or got, use a PayPal, you know. I got, there's there's another kid that I race with. His name is Gleb, Gleb Chuganov, and him and his missus both also live in Roswell now. And three years ago, or maybe two years ago, he changed nationality for Polish. Yeah. So he got a Polish wife and got a Polish passport and rides as a Pole. And he was the first one to do it because he had enough of the Russian Federation. He was like, fuck you. But the other guys didn't do it. But then they tried to do it when the war started. No, that's but, no, no good. But because of the way the Polish are, Gleb got so... Like, he got, like, not booed. They whistle in Poland. Instead of booing, they whistle. Really? Yeah, so they'd call his name out and they'd just be going, shh, the whole stadium. Like, yeah, it was... I felt sorry for him a lot of the time. It was, it was hard for him. I don't think people... And he was the same... Like him and his missus. Yeah. No access to any of their stuff. Yeah. Netflix, nothing. Well, I don't think people understand too, like, if you've got a Russian passport, you can't go anywhere. Mm. Like, there's just no... You can't you can't go to Australia. You can't go to the US. You can't go to England. Like... You can go to Dubai. You can go to Dubai. <laughs> you can go to Bali. <laughs> so, d- d- he was telling me the airport, the queues at the airports. Massive, bro. And it was like 10 grand a ticket. Yeah. Like 20,000 bucks a ticket. Yeah to go to Dubai yeah well we went to like that Bali trip it was sick because I was at Bali MMA for like six weeks we just trained literally every single day it was fucking unbelievable mm. like I'm so it was so sick to just go back to training every day because I haven't been able to do that for a long time but yeah just dude we should grapple yeah let's move the table out of the way and how much did you two have you done none <laughs> oh okay <laughs> when I'm pissed <laughs> yeah yeah I got my black belt in Taekwondo but that's like that's probably like the one martial art form that is completely useless. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I uh, I did Taekwondo when I was a kid until I was like 15. And I front kicked a dude once. <laughs> just fully fucked him up. <laughs> I guess <laughs> a front kick was that. Yeah, we, it was so, dude, it was so fun. They were like, uh, I think we were in like year 12 or something like that. And then we had this gym class. So we went from the school to the gym uh, at like the last period. So then we did our workout and we had the PE teacher like that. And they had a fucking boxing ring. 
So then the these kids, like they were like the cool fucking bully kids at, at the school. So they'd like bring gloves and they like made me get in the in the boxing ring with this dude. And they'd been fucking talking shit all week. We're gonna smash you, we're gonna do this. So they fucking put these boxing gloves Bang. on me and old mate's like standing there with his fucking hands up, like talking shit. And he just like pretty much like charged at me and I just fucking front kicked this dude right in the sternum. They're like, fucking boxing. And I was like, I didn't agree to shit. Yeah, you know? exactly. I'm like, I'm getting out of here. He's the fuck wits. Yeah, so, but you're right. A Taekwondo black belt is probably one of the more, more, yeah, useless ones. But you don't like Muay Thai and shit, right? Nah. I thought you were saying you did some MMA stuff. Nah, I went, I uh, trained this morning. Yeah. John Wayne Parr. But didn't you do some cool. stuff before that? Nah, I was uh, I was doing a bit of boxing this year. Yeah. Um, I was planning on fighting a dude on the twenty first okay, of January. Yeah. So that's what you. Yeah. So you were saying you were planning on having a fight, right? Yeah. Um, but. So where would that whole thing come from? That whole thing came from watching Jake Paul. Yeah. Okay. And going, I can fucking do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I found a venue, um, pay per view, lights, security, basically did all the groundwork, got the contracts done, sent it to the dude that I race in the championship with. Yeah. Said let's box. I know what we can pull from pay per view because my testimonial. When you race for a club for ten years, you get a testimonial where yeah. you're the promoter. Yeah. So we did two hundred and fifty thousand pay per view buys for my testimonial. Yeah. Right. Um. So I know what sort of figures we can pull. Yeah. I know how much money that is, and no one's ever seen it before. Yeah. We're on TV all the time on Discovery. We have a great platform to yeah, discuss yeah, it yeah, during yeah, the season. Yeah. yeah. And um, oh, like I'm here for it. His club refused him the option to do it, and he's the only rider out of the 16 in the world championship that said he'd fight me. Really? Yeah. So you were just like fully trying to make it happen. Oh, it was like it was happening until he said, "Like the club won't let me do it. I'm not signing." So who's this guy? Leon Madsen. Like, let's pull him up. I'll he's size a, him up. Let's yeah, he's fuck. a fuckwit. Let's see. Oh, you don't like him? Nah. No. Oh, how good's that? No one does. So the best thing was, I'm going to get to not. I've cracked him before. The best what you've had a fight, or like on track? No, nah, like he ran, my, he ran my mate um, up the fence. So this is him. That's him at the bottom there. Oh no! So this is a guy. Yeah. Let's go. We're about say, we're about the same height, same size. Yeah. Same weight. And so, like, he doesn't like you. You don't like him. We've got history. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, I like it. I belted him once. So how did that go? What was what was the deal there? Oh, he ran my mate. We was at his track in Poland, and he ran my teammate Janowski up, and they like had a word with each other, and he like tried to run into Marcek. So as he came up the pits, it's a really steep pit bay, and when he got to the top, I pulled his kill switch out, yeah, and then he pulled the clutch in because normally you pull the clutch in to stop, yeah. But then because he's on a hill, he started going backwards, uh, <laughs> and then he got off the bike and walked up to me and I just fucking whacked him. That's unreal. And then the like the track staff was like, stop it, yeah. And then, yeah, I haven't really spoke to him much. And then I just mentioned it. And he was like, oh, I've always wanted to, like, like do boxing. That'd be cool. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I had um, everything planned. Hullis, Julezia, Klitschko's fought there. Yeah, yeah, They'd yeah. done, uh, uh, not UFC, uh, KSW. They had a KSW event there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was all set, man. And then his club. So when we signed the club contract, they own, they own us. Really? When we sign a Polish contract, they own us. Yeah. What we... They pretty much have full access... Not that they do it, but they have full access to all our social media. We have to... If we get a new sponsor, we have to run it by the club. Really? In the World Championships. It's completely separate. But if, you know, it can't clash with the Polish sponsor and all yeah. that shit. So, yeah. yeah um, 
his boss just went, no, you're not doing it. And that was it. It was over. It took me four and a half months to prepare everything. Have you, and it was over it in like one email. Of, yeah, but you'd still I could come like, back to it. Yeah, you'd have it like yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I could come back to it. That's pretty. So did you start training for it? Yeah. Oh, so, and how did that go? Yeah, it was all right. I've like done all the basics. I can do my footwork. I can get in and out and land some bombs. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would have sparked him and got paid a shit ton of money for it so i was keen yeah yeah that keen add him to my highlight reel yeah 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 but dude. anyway so what nationality is he he's danish danish dude okay and i'm going I'm, I'm i'm talking to him going like okay you got danish supporters i've got british fans we yeah. have we Both race in poland fans. at the top level yeah he lives in poland i was living in poland like we're we're more known in poland than we are in the countries we're from yeah yeah and then i was like then there's australian fans then we've got TV and like all these avenues where we could just promote it. Oh, and you've got a whole year's worth of racing where you could fuck with each other and exactly. you know different press could conferences. Build it up and, and oh, it would have been sick. I had, I've got, I've still got them in my diary, like the dates, like weigh in and all this stuff. It's all still in my calendar. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's not happening, so it's not. I actually yeah. reached out to John Wayne Parr to get Jazz to fight on the card. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. dude, she's a legend, eh? She's doing good, man. Yeah, real good, man. She's ripping in. It's good. I was there this morning and. I said to John, I was like, man, this is a cool setup you've got. Yeah. The whole family was there. Yeah. Yeah. Jazz, Jesse, yeah. John, his missus, the youngest. I saw. She's me- the youngest is messing around with young chuck, nunchucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that the two youngest ones are super into jujitsu as well. Mm. Jesse's a beast, man. Which one's Jesse? The, 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 the boy, boy, right? The, yeah. yeah. He's like real good at jujitsu. In fact, yeah, sure. he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. real good. Yeah. He's going to, I, I said to John, I went, probably a year ago when I saw one of his one of his fights I was like dude hit Dana up now yeah like get the get the groundwork in yeah cause yeah he'll he'll be good I'd say that's pretty easy phone calls for uh, for John Wayne Parter to make yeah he he actually gets a few mentions on Joe's podcast hey yeah Joe oh, Rogan what's it he's, constantly get, like he just gets brought up a lot he's a legit fucking I need to get him on here dude actually like, yeah he, do it he's been in here before uh, he's like went on another like someone else's podcast but they use the studio okay and um, yeah I just never followed it up I, mean, mm. I just feel like with him his story's so epic oh man but it's just been told like you know there's so many people that have kind of told it but it'd still be cool to do it yeah but I don't know maybe try tell it from a completely different angle that no yeah. one's thought about yeah and go in from like a yeah just a try get a different different vibe yeah. Take him into different parts of it yeah. that haven't been spoken about. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot like there's a lot that I talk about. Like when like for instance, like when you're introducing the sport and explaining how we do it and all that sort of stuff. I've told that to a lot of people. Yeah. But like yeah, when you start telling them about the life I used to live when I was younger, getting in trouble with the police all the time, partying, going on weekend benders and all that sort of stuff, they then they start to go, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which we kind of touched on before a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I'm going to Bali next week. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. I, can, I do like I do like Bali. Bali's great. Oh, yeah, before we before we talk about Bali, um, <laughs> Jazz, Jazz is doing really good too. Like, I see her, like, running. She's like, she'll literally run part. Like, pretty much the timing, like, I'm coming to work and she's fucking running down because Boonshu's, like, super close yeah. to, to here, but... Yeah, pretty pretty awesome what he's built, but he's just a very, very well respected dude. And that's like a that's a guy that you think about just miles he would have put on his fucking knees and his hips and his like just a simple like no 
Conor McGregor, no VO2 max, no fucking tubes down your nose, like none of the techie sports science stuff. Like he's just school. kicking fucking palm trees and doing road miles and just doing rounds in the gym, you know, like it's just, that's a life dedicated to that craft. Must have been taxing doing all them years in Thailand. Well, how old is he now? I mean, he's like 40 something. I don't know. I think he started, I think his first professional fight, I asked him today, I can't remember if he said 92 or 94. Yeah, it was white, like when you were born, pretty much. Yeah, I would have been four. Yeah. If it was 94, I was four. Yeah. What year was you born? 88. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a couple years couple years older. I feel like I, I was like a good generation. Yeah. Like you was 80s, so I don't know. I feel like 90s was like Dude, I, the start of shit getting weird. Phones and things, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you yeah. kind of was, you was at that level where like you're a bit old school as well. Yeah. So like I'm very much like how my dad brought me up. Yeah. Like, old school yeah Yeah. like your handshakes contract yeah all that sort of shit yeah like that's how i was brought up and i feel like the kids now if you tried to explain like to a 15 year old now that if you shake someone's hand that's a binding contract they'd be like we shake hands every day dad yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no dude i agree i mean just the i think the phone thing is just crazy like what what how old would you have been when you got instagram oh i was 12 12 hectic I didn't have a uh, my first phone. I think I was fifteen. Nokia, yeah, I was sixteen. Nokia thirty two ten. Yeah, same shit. Yeah. And you had Instagram at twelve. Yeah, I remember the only thing that you would use a text message for was a joke. Do you remember that? I you call everyone. Yeah, and you, play snake. Yeah, I'd make calls. You'd get jokes. No one would text for anything other than a joke, and then yeah, you just get a call, but you'd be like stressed on your minutes. So like you wouldn't be you wouldn't be like having proper chats, you know. Do you have one eight hundred reverse here? Yeah, yeah. On these yeah, 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 yeah. I did that. Too. I remember before I had my phone, I called one eight hundred reverse my mum and got home. And she was like, "Don't you ever fucking do yeah, that again? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. be home on time." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it cost us a fortune. Yeah, yeah. No, but, and I think like we had good house parties. Mm. Hell which, yeah! I mean, I think that the that generation after us, like even my brother. Like he was only two. Well, my brother's your age, and so he was a, just a couple years younger than me. But they just didn't have good house parties like yeah, right. like we had. Like even it was like we were right yeah. right on the. Edge we had good it, house you know. parties. I'm sure maybe, Perth maybe was probably bit, yeah. Perth would be a little bit, bit yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably just like a couple years behind what everyone else was doing. Yeah, I remember when so there's like Burns Beach was getting built up. Like it was it was all shacks originally. Yeah, and it was like kind of secluded, like on its own. And then they built all that area up. And when they was building the houses, like we used to go to houses that were nearly finished, generators, DJ, yeah. speakers, like yeah. full house party. And because you've got like 50 houses all being built, you'd be there all night. Yeah. No one cared. Yeah. No one could hear you because yeah. there was nothing there. There was one time where we went all, like, all night and like the builders are rocking up in the morning and we're just going <laughs> ham in this house. <laughs> Not dam- like, No one ever damaged anything. Yeah, we yeah. just went there to get twisted and listen to beach you know yeah it was yeah we had some crazy parties we used to we used to do the full like bush dwarf thing so like every weekend like literally every thursday friday saturday sunday night there was like because we we're in Kansas, it's like all rainforest and waterfalls mm. and all that sort of shit so yeah there was just this like hardcore group of fucking like darrow trippy hippie guys that would just like take these fucking enormous stereo systems and like stages and it was like a 
like mini army barracks like you know you have like the camo stuff yeah. that goes like over the top of the tents and that sandbag everything dude and that's like, sick dude we used to walk there's no surf no phone service out there so you couldn't get a cab so there'd be no cabs like going in and out you had to walk and you yep. had to know where it was i'm talking probably like seven eight k walks at like 11 11 30 like you'd leave you'd go to the like a nightclub we would i don't idea 16 i think Mm. so we'd like thursday night you'd go to like dollar drinks at mad cow in Cairns, and then when the club closed you'd fucking pin it out to like crystal cascades to where the cab drop you off then you had like a 7k hike and then you just full on like in insane bush talk that'd go for the fucking rest of the weekend you'd just be like walking in and out of the joint all for the whole weekend it was fucking wild dude that was sick I remember like going to a few parties and actually calling the cops because it was like too far to walk like, <laughs> calling the cops and being like hey there's this kid like walking down the street you need to come check it out yeah yeah and then the cops would rock up and I'd be like oh yeah I live in Ocean Reef and then just be like oh yeah we'll t- how old are you 15 oh we'll take you home fuck that's unreal yeah call the cops on myself to get a lift home <laughs> Because if I called my dad, he would have been like, not a chance, been. mate. What did, what did he say there when the cops rocked up? Oh, he always... So my dad used to grow weed and that paid for my raising. Yeah. Um, so he had like four plants in the shed. And um, yeah, like the one rule was do not ever come around this house with police. Yeah. So when they dropped me off from something like that, they never knocked on the door. They just dropped me off at the house and I'd walk in. But the times when the cops actually came over because I was in the shit, then yeah, he he wasn't... He wasn't impressed. Never had to... Like, he he cracked me once. He actually cracked me... I, I was riding my KX60 down the bottom road. So him him and his mate was digging out the pool. Next door neighbor was like two or three years older than me. And he goes, oh, get your KX60 out. So I, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. So I had my boardies on. That's it. And I'm flat out on my 60 down the bottom of the road, up and down. No helmet, no T-shirt, no boots, nothing. And dad was digging the pool out in the back garden and he's like, said to his mate, sounds like Ty's 60, goes out and he saw me and yeah. So I got a good whack for that. But then, yeah, the other times was just um, when, when the police came back and he just, he, he just didn't say anything to me. Just a couple of days of just silence yeah, yeah. was enough. It hurts more. <sighs> Dude. It's like the, oh, I'm I was not like, mad, hey, I'm just disappointed. I was like, like, hey dad, oh, fuck. do you want to have a chat? And he's like, no. And then walked out the door and went to his mate's house. And I'm like, fuck. Because I got pulled, I, I, I tried to run away from the cops in um, in his car. He worked at a car yard, so he was always coming home in a new car. So um, every time he came home and would go out and drive my mum's or his, and yeah. I'd like cruise around for like half half an hour, 40 minutes, just chilling, cruising around the streets and not doing anything stupid. And um, I was driving down the road and had the park lights on, yeah. but not the normal lights. Yeah, yeah. And when I was in front of the garage... I put the park lights on. I was like, okay, that's lights on. Yeah. And then I put the normal lights on. I thought that was the high beams. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. That's, yeah. I would have been 15 at the time. Yeah. And the cop was like, I tried to run away from him. They was, they was pretty angry that I ran away, but they knew by my dad's reaction of how he spoke to them that I was going to be in the shit. Yeah, yeah, It wasn't yeah. like he answered the door and went, you better not have fucking touched my son. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. And they was like, oh, he was driving really good. He just didn't have his lights on. And then he tried to get away. And then, yeah, there was a few of them things, same on a road bike. And I convinced my parents that if you have a learner's permit in Western Australia, that it allows you to ride a 50cc scooter. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this Yamaha Aerox that I used to like do stand up wheelies on and stuff. And like, I'd, when I, if there was a big like downhill, I'd stand on the seat and do the whole cross thing and all that. 
and I got yeah I got done a couple of times one the cop actually said follow me undercover follow me took me home didn't even ask for my license I was shitting myself I was like I don't own a license like, yeah, yeah, haven't yeah. got one I'm gonna lose it straight away and I got away with everything eh? every police thing that happened nothing ever came of it I feel like the cops are pretty cool in Oz yeah for the, for the most part like and I mean I spent a lot of time in America I got fucked by some cops over there like just mm. for literally you see a lot of shit from America dude it's so nuts there was, there was one day and I mean this is fucking not bad compared to what I need the toilet yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I've been holding it for ages no 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 Sorry. you're good I'll go as well <laughs> I was, we'll, kept we'll moving pick, I was like oh, nah we'll pick up the right way like, <laughs> Oh, no, the dude, I've, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> what? It's fucking easy, bro. I've just done it a million times. <laughs> oh, so it's just that? Yeah, that's You're it. You're kidding. No, that's what I mean. It's fuck all. You're acting like it's a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> all right, we're back from a quick piss break. Uh, yeah, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna go into a dumb story about getting pulled over by the cops. I just had like, hmm. I just had like two traffic things. There was one time I was actually pulling out of Alden Baker's place. We were just filming there. Ah, US cops. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, I turn right, and then so like I turn right, and there's a street sign, like a, a speed street sign right before where I turned. So like, what's the backside of a sign look like? Yeah, blank. Fucking steel right so then I've like turned out of this thing no speed sign I'm just on a, a highway so I'm like cool must be 60 so I'm doing 60 and the guy's like pulls like flashing me I'm like what the fuck was I doing pull over and uh, and the, the guy's like oh it's a 50 zone and I was like I haven't seen a fucking speed sign there he's like oh there was one right before where he pulled out oh yeah I'm like, good one I'm like uh, alright what's that mean like does that mean I've gone past the speed sign or do you, you expect me to fucking you know so and then in the end anyway so he's like oh, I've got to give you a ticket and I was like so what's the go with the ticket and he's like oh if you don't pay it within 30 days you'll lose your Florida's driver's license and I was like cool I'm down with that just give me the ticket I've got to go to the airport I do not have a Florida fucking driver's license Perfect. to lose but then there was, there was another time in California this ended up being like the biggest fuck around I uh I got pulled over. It was the first time I'd ever been pulled over in America. So I just fucked up. I pulled over like the wrong way. Um, and then the guy's like, where's your Cali driver's license? And I was like, mate, I'm just here on holidays from Oz. Like it's a fucking rental car, you know? And uh, yeah, just got to have a California driver's license technically to drive there. And old mate done me for driving without a license, which so was like a proper... Like, offense, yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't have an address, didn't have nothing there. So apparently they sent me a letter with like a court date and then so I flew home and then went back and then they were like, oh, you missed a court appearance last time. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I missed a court appearance. So then I had to like fully get a lawyer. It cost me like five or six grand US, man. Just to, really? Yeah, just to do this like stupid traffic thing for just fully got fucked. But I think that if... CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If I knew the correct way to pull over, but I don't know. So yeah, anyway, I just got got fucking cooked on today. Now, now that like Aussie police, I just don't know that that would happen with Aussie cops. Well, I can tell you that wouldn't because I had a V, I had a a VU SSU that was off its head. It was the stupidest car, but it was amazing when I was young and I was driving it. So we got to the traffic lights, hung a left, nailed it down to the roundabout, drifted around the roundabout, and nailed it back to the lights, hung a left, beat the lights, (laughs) fucking pumped. When I drifted around the roundabout, the sergeant for the police station right there. was right there in his, um, like just in his normal car. So I hung a left. I'm now heading towards the police station on a dual carriageway. So I've nailed it down there only about half the way. And then I was like, all right, that's enough. I'll slow down and, and just like just keep driving just as I normally normal. do. <laughs> yeah. So I get to the roundabout. One cop car stops traffic. Another one pulls up on the path. One pulls up on the central reservation. One pulls up behind me. Dude, five, there was five cop cars, right? Full SWAT team shit. Five cop cars. So he's called into the station and gone, like, get down here. They've all rocked up. I've gone on the dude, like, no points on my license. Never had a conviction. Had my license from when I was 16. I probably would have been, I don't know, 20 at the time. Um, so he was surprised. He was like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, I normally go to the drag strip on a Wednesday night and do burnouts there because they let you go on a Wednesday night. They call it Whoop Ass Wednesdays. Yeah, you can go there and just be a hoon. Yeah. So I never normally went there, but I told him that I went there. So I had a good story. And um, he goes, all right, well, when the sergeant's gone, you know, just be on your way. I said, look, I was just being a dickhead, mate. Like, yeah, I normally yeah. go I do it there. It. And <laughs> I get it. Yeah. And he, yeah, he was sweet and let me off. Yeah. So five cop cars, the sergeant in his car and they, they let me off. Yeah, yeah, I really think that I've ever, ever I've been Aussie cops pretty, pretty solid. Bali's a bit sketchy. Very, very sketchy. Yeah, we um. So Darcy that I'm I'm racing in his event. Um, yeah, this weekend, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, Darcy Ward Invitational, everybody. The Darcy the North Ward Brisbane Raceway Invitational. That's correct. So we um years ago we got on the mushies in Bali and. <clears throat> we was twisted in his room and then I was like Mate, I said to Faye oh, let's cruise back like we've been there for like two and a half hours so it's starting to like calm down a little bit wasn't tripping as hard and um, I said oh let's just get on the scooter and we'll just cruise back so I went on the main road because it was like the easiest um, then we got pulled up by like two of the seediest cops phasing oh, and bathers I'm in my boardies on mushies it's just like slowly starting to come down so but like, like uh, but we're still, still tripping it still sucks and um, yeah, that was like they're asking, they're saying, "Give us money," and I'm like, "Fuck, I haven't got anything." Like, face like turn the bathes inside out. The show's got nothing in her bra, and um, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a bit sketchy. Yeah. And they said next time just carry carry more money. Yeah. And they let me ride home, Dude. but they pulled us in the darkest spot, no lights, no shops, nothing. And I was thinking, this is so sketch. Dude, it, it does suck when you're in those places. Like when 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 I was there in the start of the the start of the year, I just went to training one morning. I was by myself. They got me for parking too far forward at a traffic light. So like you know when you, you pulled over the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, that's all it was. And then so I pulled over. I can't. It was like a hundred. 
150 or I think it was like 150 Aussie. Like it's fuck all, but 150 rupiah. Nah, it would have been. It was 150 Aussie, <laughs> okay. and I was like, I was pretty. Dead. It was like, fuck yeah, it was a, a lot of barley money. Mm. But um, and it was just one of those things too, where I was like, I just can't. What can I do? Like I can't. I could fuck both these dudes up right now, <laughs> but like you, you can't do that. Nah, like especially there, man. Nah, dude. And I started grappling with a cop. In bro, Bali. I know some fucking. I know some shit that's gone down in Bali too with people and. That's just like one... There's some places you go and you just don't fuck with it. You know, like Aussie... Aussie, you can pretty... Like, you can be absolutely cooked around a cop and or they can get you with shit on you. And like, you'll be pretty sweet. Yeah. Don't do it. Fucking be... Follow the laws in your country. Yeah. But there's some places, man, where you just can't fuck with it. And like, I know people that have gone there, tried to be the man and got fucked and it's so scary to watch, man. And you like see even on the news, like the, every now and then, there's a story about something. Like, remember that guy that had um, he had a, like a bag of white powder. Yeah. And no one knows what it was, but like he got like locked up. Yeah. And was like interview back home, crying like, "Help me, like." Dude, yeah, I've just had some like heavy shit go down. Like a, a I fucking feel terrible for the guy, but like what? Well, there's a guy I know, and I met him over there, and he was doing the wrong thing. And he got caught with like a lot of the wrong thing, and now he's, but he's fucked. Yeah, you right. Know? And it was uh, just, yeah. So there's some places you go, you just can't fuck with it. Nah, you that's know, it. and that's like that's one of those. Hey, one you of know, those places. you know what happened at um, Hillary's boat harbour, just down the road from us. Where's that? Um, in Perth. Yeah. Uh, so like north of Fremantle. Yeah. It's probably ah. Oh, so from Scarborough, you'd go uh, north. Yeah. It's actually not that far. If you were stood at Scarborough, you would have seen Hillary's Boat Harbour. Yeah, yeah. Just out up the coast. Anyway, they pulled a ton of cocaine off a boat. And Hillary's Boat Harbour is like, it's a nice, it's a yeah, nice yeah. coastal yeah. area. Not like, it's not even like the rich part of Perth. It's just like, you, you know, normal, normal price range. Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't even on the news, man. The only reason I know is because I went to Rotto with my mate and we went on his boat. And we were staying on the cray boat and his mate's cray boat, we set the swags up on the deck. Yeah, sick. And his mate's cray boat was, is on the same dock where the cops got the boat with a ton of cocaine on it. That's a, that's a ton of cocaine. It's a ton of cocaine. <laughs> and you don't normally hear about stuff like that. No. Nah. But they didn't even put it on the news. Really? I, was, I was quite surprised. Yeah, it's fucking, it's crazy, man. But even like my uncles were cops through like the Northern Territory and Cape York. That was like crazy. I remember going up there as a kid and there was like a there was a time we went up there and the fucking the prison cell like in the watch house had no people in it just a fuck ton of guns just like crazy 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 guns like rocket launchers and grenades and it was just shit that they fucking got on a boat like someone trying to come like wow. like Indonesia Torres yeah, Strait Islands just, yeah. like Bamaga and you're just like what the fuck and then you get some dude driving a Land Cruiser with a trailer and just up and back like <laughs> People aren't looking for fucking nah. trailers full of guns. No that, way. You know, coming out of Pompera. No like, way. It was funny because the the guy got someone mess. Someone said something to the people like the 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 yachting club. Yeah. Because this boat was parked and a guy rocked up on the jetty and was asking how to get out of the boat harbor. The dude didn't even know how to get out of the boat. Like, do your research. Yeah. If yeah, you're going to be yeah. driving a ton of cocaine on a boat. Do your fucking research, man. 100%. <laughs> Don't go asking like fucking like 65-year-olds yeah. like, hey, how do you get out of this place? Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to drive that boat out here somewhere. 
Dude, that's insane. There was a uh, there was a famous story. It was down. I'm pretty sure they were like down in Sydney. There was like this big scandal with the North Korean government. There was this North Korean shipping boat that basically was just like off of Sydney, and they they had all of this heroin on this fucking uh, North Korean boat. And then anyway, there was like some big time investigation that was going on. Uh, by the Aussie feds and like border control. Mm. Anyway, they ended up ca- they ended up pretty much catching them. They they found like there was dead bodies on the fucking beach and the the people that the captain and the crew like the main crew on the boat. There was like photos of Kim Jong Un everywhere. And then ap- apparently they were saying that this is like a kind of the first. This was years ago now, but it was like the first piece of the puzzle in like this giant North Korean like heroin shipping yeah, I feel run like, that was literally run by North Korea. I feel like I watched something... Something on Vice, probably? Maybe, like, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Because uh, I, like, get in these YouTube holes, yeah, as yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, And I ended up watching something about and how this, like, this massive shipping company was smuggling drugs, but it wasn't actually the shipping company, but it was the people that was working inside the company. It just came out on Vice recently? I or know, it maybe. Come out on, I, I think I've seen the video. Yeah, so they're yeah. basically saying that, like, the companies now that run like the the biggest global shipping containers, the cartels are so deep in these companies now that they're like literally controlling the hiring. Process. And they were saying something about like they, if like when that whole shipping container comes in, they can't physically check every single container because there's no, a no, no, shit no. ton of containers no, on them there's ships. No way. So they're happy to lose four or five ton. Yeah. Because they're getting in an extra five hundred. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like it's pretty crazy. Like, Type in um just just Google like uh, drug cartel. Uh, sh- what would you? Like, how did we end? How did we end up having a full blown discussion about like drug cartels? And Not stuff? mad at it. Have you watched the Netflix series uh, like the Escobar dude? Nah, nah. Uh, no, narcos. I don't, I don't, yeah, narcos. I just don't watch TV much. Like, no. nah. Uh, so uh, ship. Uh, fuck. What would be like uh just shipping fuck what was it like what do you call cargo ship maybe yeah cargo ship type in like drug cartels cargo ship. it's one of the pretty big like companies hey yeah it's like one mm. of the biggest ones there's like a full um and yeah there you go how a balkan drug cartel infiltrated global don't play the music but yeah like this this yeah. is uh M- msc that's it that this is the one you're yeah, watching that's what I, watched, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't i haven't watched this one yet yeah, I just saw this come up and I like went to fucking click into it the other day. But I listened to a, a full podcast deal on like this North Korean uh, boat that came in and it mm. was just so gnarly. Like, and then they ended up just like sending it back to North Korea. I'm like, what can you do? We have a really nice Korean restaurant at um, Whitford City Shopping Centre. It's called Miss Chow's. In Perth? In Perth. Yeah. And they have a massive picture of him on the wall. Really? Yep. Dude, that's so crazy. Like, hey? it's as it's as big as that back wall like That's it's bizarre. and it's just sat there maybe the I should get Griff, maybe I should get Griff a Kim Jong-un poster that size <laughs> for the back wall I think there's like some rule where like they in oh, they, yeah they have to have them. they have to have them in the yeah, house eh? yeah, and yeah. if they don't they go to jail or something and well, they do spot I, checks or some shit yeah I'm sure that'd be some fucking weird shit but yeah, there's um, even like Dubai and stuff they've got because there's like the shake and stuff there's like the mm. shake that's on all the side of the it's a, that's like one weird it's like Everything there's super Western, but then you see that and you're like, "That's mm. weird." We just we definitely don't have fucking scomo <laughs> getting around on all of our. There's none of that. Shit. Yeah. Uh, go back to that. 
go just go back to where that's the funny thing about aussie like so the koreans have got him everywhere you've got each country has their own thing and then you've got like the aussie prime minister have you seen the remix of the beers nah (laughs) you haven't seen that oh i think i have let's find it (laughs) do you know what he's talking about yeah, just put beers meme. Beers meme. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know who made it, but um, you know Bilko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bilko shared it, and mate, I was creasing. I do remember. And there's the COVID one as well. When the COVID was happening in Australia, and the woman that was talking, and they've cropped and yeah, just tapped, yeah, like yeah, just yeah, edited yeah. the shit out of it to Dude. make her say the most randomest stuff. Oh no! What it's Albanese? Was it Albanese? <laughs> it's a song, and he's like beers, beers, beers. Oh fuck. Get what are we typing, mate? Get on the beers. <laughs> oh, nah, it's like, well, we're off it. We're off the, uh, we're off the trail here. Yeah. yeah, fuck it. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, that's like our, our we just don't representation. A, we don't give a fuck <laughs> no. about politics in the, in the same way as like the rest of the world does, eh? Just everyone here just cruises. We're just like, you know what? Leave me alone. Let me do my own thing. I'm over it. I went to Bunnings the other day and, um, I bought a hot dog from the sausage sizzle. I always buy a hot dog yeah. and I always pay 20 bucks for it That's and they can it. never get their head around it. Yeah. They're like, oh, do you want two? Do you want three? And I'm like, no. Do you want 20? I want one hot dog because yeah. I don't want to eat two. I just want one hot dog, but I'm going to give you 20 bucks. Okay? Here's, just, here's 20 bucks. Just take the money. Fucking awesome. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I do that. And then I went in and a few days before I watched the Carl Barron thing where he says like Aussies don't tell you how they are, they tell you how they're, how not. they're not. Yeah. And the guy goes, I said oh, to the guy, bad. oh, have we got it? Um, I said, oh, have you got any of this um, thinners or whatever it was that I needed? Um, and, he, and he said he said what Carl Graham would have said, and I just started laughing. <laughs> and I was just, I was actually like in stitches. I was going, I was in, I was creasing, and the guy's like, oh, you're right. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But you like you told me where it's not. Like, have you seen that Carl Graham oh, thing? Oh, so you'd be like, where's the thinners? It, not here. Yeah, like it was, <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah, exactly yeah. what he said, yeah, but it was yeah. along that line, yeah, and I just started laughing because I was like, oh my god, it's so true. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, Aussie humor is fucking rad. Yeah, and that's another thing, like you know living away for so long you just don't realize how much you miss the simple things of just good aussie humor down to earth fucking, polite people yeah saying saying hello how are you like everywhere Dude. it's a real thing man so in europe we, we have had none of that for two years yeah none of it yeah go in the shop they scan your shit take your money yeah don't even say bye yeah don't even say bye yeah you open a door for someone and they you don't say pack, thanks. They just to, walk through. You it. have to pack yourself your own groceries. Yeah. So you like that cramming. And then we got hit, we got, went to Coles and they're scanning it and just placing it in the bag. And I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. Like I, felt, I feel I'm lost. You're chilling, bro. Like, Welcome can to I, Australia. Can I pack my own bag? Kick back and relax. We got this. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I think people that live here on a full-time basis really don't appreciate what they have. Yeah. It's one of the good things about living away, man. Mm. Like, I mean, yeah. Appreciate me, it more. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I've just kind of made made the move that I've made and I want to, I want to like go and I want to experience what I'm going to experience mm-hmm. there. And it's, you know, but fuck, you know, when you're away and it doesn't matter what country you're in. And I think that there's a level where I think a lot of poms would miss the English stuff too. Like even I got my mate Blake, like he he lives in in London, comes back, loves Aussie, but he's like, I just want to go and drink a fucking pint <laughs> on the street, like yeah. <laughs> you know. So the, I think everywhere's got its charms that that you miss. But I, I think, think home's, Australia, home's home. Yeah, yeah. 
But Australia objectively has some pretty dope shit going on. Dude. So because we've lived in Poland for the last two years and it's been tough, I think Australia's just felt that much better this, this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Faye's like, normally it's me questioning if I want to go back and race a motorbike. Yeah. I'm like, oh, do I really want to go back to Europe and race a bike when I can just have this? Yeah. And, I, and this year it's been Faye. You know, she's like, oh, you know, Riley's due school soon. Like, she should be in school this year. And I'm not, I'm, I'm coming back to race because I want to win the world title. I'm super motivated again. And, um, yeah, Faye's going, ah. Just, I can stay. I can stay here. Yeah. You just go do the season and I'll, I'll be waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long would you be away? Like, if yeah, you. Yeah, too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, uh. Be most of the March, year. April, May, June, July, August, September. Seven months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, it's too long. And there's not Race really a break where like you can come back and forth. That's the that's the shittest thing. It's probably the thing that keeps Australia so good though, is that it's so fucking far away. Yeah. So one thing we started phase visa, permanent residency. For the UK. Two thousand and eighteen. Is she UK nah, or Aussie? She's a POM. Okay. Yeah. So we to do a residency here. Yeah. So she's married. It takes a long time. She's eh? married to me. Yeah. Both the kids have got Australian passports. One of them was born in Australia. One was born in England. Um, and she got a permanent residency accepted on the 6th of Mar- uh, 6th of October. Yeah. Just. And we started that in 2018. So what's that, like four years? Yeah, or maybe we started at 2017. No, we had Riley. We got married in 2017. And then we put in for application. Then we had Riley in 18. Yeah. What's so, that process involved? <laughs> Dude, just that r- ridiculous. That's why the, that's why Australia is the way it is, because of how fucking hard you could not fake that. Yeah, I genuinely don't think you could fake it. Yeah. So you, <clears throat> the biggest thing was like <clears throat> you both write your love stories. They have to coincide but not be the same. Yeah, yeah. You have to give them every single flight from when you were sixteen years old. That was really hard for me. I won't be able to do that. No. Well, we luckily we went back to like we we had every, we had an email a flight email yeah that we just used for flights so we had and Faye could go oh, back and idea. get like um I think we went back to 2015 yeah and then anything prior to that I just said all these years prior to that are the same if not worse as what we've shown you from 2015 so they accepted that but anyway so the love stories have to coincide then in your love story there has to be. How lame is that? Five, Terminology. <laughs> yeah, five five people um, that you can use as like a to prove that your relationship is legit. Yeah, and out of that five people, you have to have photographic evidence. Yeah. So when you're writing this love story, you, you you're planning it because you're like, okay, these are the five people that are going to sign the paperwork, the documents to put into our visa application to sh- say that we are legitimate. And then they have to be in our love story. So like one was my auntie, one was a family friend, all that. And it's like, okay, we went to Carol's bike. We went to uh, – there's a street in Connolly that has like, every single house is lit up on Christmas with Christmas lights. Yeah, yeah. So we went there with the Grothews, you know, Caleb Grothews? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we went there with his family. So And we have pictures with them stood in front of the lights. So we added that into our love story with the photographic evidence and their form that they've signed to say that we're legit and how long we've known them for and all that. So just building that that picture and yeah. that tying it all in together was was hard. And if you didn't live here and didn't have a relationship with somebody and friends, I think it'd be really really hard to actually yeah fake it. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. But 
it goes to I guess it speaks to yeah like the population and shit like we just don't have nowhere near the amount of people and yeah it's just like it's hard to get here yeah, it's, it's hard good. to move here yeah no, I'm not mad at yeah. it <laughs> but yeah you're right like it's a fucking gnarly process to go through like England's pretty far like, yeah they they give everyone everything yeah you can come in and be jobless and homeless and you pretty much get a house and yeah. get paid yeah. money from the government <laughs> that's why everyone goes there Canada's kind of the same too yeah, it's crazy man it's gonna be interesting to see like cause there has to be a balance you know like you sort of you wanna be able to like you think about like the people in Ukraine that are gonna get displaced you know like people there should be an avenue for people to be able to make a better life for themselves if they were not if they're willing to work yeah 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 and that's where it gets tricky yeah so yeah, it's just like you know you you and you really got to be careful even talking about it because yeah. you can upset a lot of people. Well, yeah, yeah and you want to you want to live in a system where people there's like support for the the lowest people in society, you know. Yeah. But then there's a balance between fucking open up the floodgates, let everyone do anything, mm. and you know, like you said, you sort of just end up and being homeless and jobless and not kind of contributing shit. Like I have a really good work ethic, so I find that. I find it hard to, um, like, when somebody says they can't get a job. Yeah. I find that... It's never been a better time to be employed right I, now. I, found that really, I find that really hard to yeah. to accept. Yeah. So I think there's, a, a, like, most people can turn their hand at anything if they really wanted to. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is they actually don't want to. They're just more than likely probably a little bit lazy. Yeah. I'm trying to be very careful with my words because no, I, I can absolutely agree. fucking go to town on them. Yeah. And, no, and no, I, I know I know them. I know people that are like that. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, man, just sort your shit out. Yeah. Go to work. Get a job. Buy a house. Just yeah. like, do whatever you got to do. Yeah. Just go do it. Don't just I'd, sit there. I'd be so fucking bored, bro. Okay. That would be my problem. I yeah. don't think I could be unemployed. If, uh, I've fucking, I've pretty much either always had a job or just been like working for myself. Hmm. I just couldn't think of any other way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, same. Like I'm always doing something. Training at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I love training. Yeah, like the physical side. Yeah, like, yeah. Because you probably don't, you probably don't have to train like that hard, really. Yeah, I might not look like it, but I, I put myself. You look, deep, no, you do look deep, fit. I actually was surprised that you do look pretty fit. Deep in the hurt locker most yeah. days. Yeah. What's that look like? Um, so the other day I went out and did a 19K run. <clears throat> um, yeah. I don't do runs. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do a half marathon. Got ticked over to 19K right outside a really nice calf. So yeah. it's called Faye. And I was like, hey, come pick me up. I'll meet you for a coffee. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. But um, I, I started doing the run. And then after, once I'd done 10K, I was like, oh, the next 10K, I'm going to do negative splits. So you had to get faster each time. Every K was, was a little bit faster and a little bit faster. So that completely ruined me. Um, and then I went and rode at AJS. So I normally do my three motos. And then the other day I did the fourth and I got very, very sketchy on my fourth one. Like the extra 10-minute yeah. moto I did. Yeah. And I was getting a bit out of shape. Um, we go cycling on a Saturday morning um, out of the – like there's a swimming pool and there's a big group ride that goes out. And A grade is just like a bunch of dudes that cycle all the time, like six days a week you know six seven hundred k's or k's a yeah, week just savages um so you get on that and you're rolling your turns and your legs are just on fire your lungs are on fire your heart rate's through the roof and you're just hanging on for as long as possible 
like I, I'll when I do some when I ride a group ride, I will roll every single turn until I'm done. What's that mean? Roll every turn. So when you're cycling in a bunch, if the wind's coming from the right, the pellet like the the line of riders will be just off the curb, yeah. and then everyone will go between the curb and the riders. So when you get to the back of the group, you then get onto the you move over and you ride to the front, yeah, and you pull onto the front, and then you ease off just a touch. And then the next person rolls over is enough to roll over, so you keep rolling over. So you're just constantly doing a big like chain. Yeah, yeah. And it, you go faster, but you have them big spikes because when you get to the front, so it's like everyone's pulling at each other on essentially. Everyone's pulling each other around. Ah, I didn't know that yeah. that's how that worked. So th- that's that's like a rolling your turns, but <clears throat> when you when you're on the A grade ride, you when you're sitting on a wheel you're pushing some big numbers just to sit on the wheel because I'm not quite at their level. Yeah. They yeah. ride every day of the yeah, week. Yeah, you'd be like on the edge. So, um, and then when you roll to the front, you're then pushing the wind. You haven't, you're not got somebody in front of you. So that, that last bit from getting to the front and pulling over onto the next person is the really hard part. Yeah. And then when the next person rolls over, you try and So it's like up. intervals almost. It's, it's hard intervals. Yeah, yeah. And like lactic acid build up in your legs and... I get to the point where I just get shot out of the back and they just disappear. Yeah, and you're like, but, uh, right, boys, see you next week. Yeah, then I'll, well, I'll, I'll do the full ride, but I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'll just blow myself to pieces. Yeah. Uh, I like the feeling of being in that hurt locker. Yeah. There's just something about it that just, just feels great. Like, yeah. Just knowing that I've literally pushed myself to the limit where I've popped, where my legs physically can't push yeah. the pedals anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know why you you're into that? <laughs> like, have you thought much about why you do it? Because no. you sort of don't have to do it for for your racing, really. No, right? not at all. Not at all. There's just something like, yeah. There's just I went to Tenerife and was just climbing up the mountain. I was just stood on the pedals and my back was in pieces and I was just grinding away and my legs were pumping and hurting and I was breathing <laughs> and, and there's just something like satisfying about it yeah. of putting yourself in that pocket. And I, I, that's probably like where the pushing the boundaries thing comes and like always wanting to do better and be better. Like I, I did that 19K run and the next day I did that group ride and yeah. I did my best 20 minute power. And I was like, wow, like how, do, how, how has that happened? Like I'm fatigued from the run. Mm. And the group got really small and there was me and a, a, a guy that's really good at time trialing. He does Ironman, Bustleton Ironman every year. And he's a strong dude, and it was just me and him just swapping at the front. Yeah. And there was like forty guys behind us, and like I was very close to not making it around. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, did my best twenty minute power, so that then changes all my zones. So now I can push a little bit harder on all my training rides and going and doing like hill repeats on the push bike or sprints or just, just whatever it is. There's just yeah, there's just something nice about hurting. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can kind of relate in the like. Do you do that when you like grappling? Yeah, like you just get to the point where you like yeah. absolutely cooked and you cannot physically grab someone anymore, and you just you you're done. You're spent. I think I like the that there is when when you're with a guy that's like. So there's a guy that I used to train with all the time, and his name's Sean, and he's probably about your size, and like he's a black belt, and he's a fucking animal, like just an absolute savage, and. And I'm like a lot bigger and a lot stronger. So you've got, he's a black belt who's better than me, but I'm bigger and stronger. So there's like a level that it, 
it doesn't fully negate like he's still better than me yeah but there's like a level that it kind of negates where he can just push me so hard and i can get there's like parts where i can kind of get out where i probably shouldn't or i can make something happen where if we were just the same size you know it's not not even a question but there's some roles with him where because he's better than me and he can he knows what's happening more than i do he's just pushing me every single like he's just a move ahead a move ahead a move ahead he's like preempting what you're going to do everything dude and so i'm in this constant state of just like reacting to every single thing while i'm kind of like i'm like reacting so mentally i'm like i've got this process of reacting to everything that he's doing just to stay neutral and then there's like this sub process in my brain that's like okay how do i break this cycle and get some kind of foothold to where i can like grab and hold on and then start to make progress mm. so you're like you're you're like levels behind but your body's just going so it's like a it's it's almost like a crazy process to watch watch your body just do its thing mm. while you're in the back of your head trying to figure out like how to solve you're like having a game of chess and your the, body's just the problem working. and it's just like you can you end up just like watching your body like do its thing and then you know i don't know it's like there's sometimes where not not on a guy like him because he's so much better but then if you get to a state where it's like somebody that I'm better than them like you just can cruise like you can just yeah. let your body do do its thing and you almost don't have to do anything and it's comes becomes such like an outer body experience and that is just so fucking addictive but like with those those roles with like guy like Sean you're just so cooked bro mm. and you're just it's only been six minutes but it's just been like this fucking constant barrage of like you know that trying to stay in the fight then trying to get some kind of foothold and then trying to go like it's such a it's such a cool feeling so imagine doing that for like two and a half hours that and i guess that's that cycle bike kind of what you're saying just like i guess it'd be like you just rolling with him and having a little break which is when I'm tucking in behind the guys and get a breather and then you get up to the front and you roll in again. And yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, There's got to be something, though, even though, like, physically you don't need what that gives you physically. Like, you'd be you'd be so overfit for, for Speedway, essentially. Yeah. But mentally, it's got to just be so yeah. valuable to be able to just go to that place because even, like, we're doing World Best at know, the end of this year. You know the work's been done. Yeah, and I, but I think there's even more than that. It's like we've started doing twenties, and like Maddie's, we're gonna race world vets, and so like Maddie's fucking training, and we're just like doing twenties, and he's he, he'll say the same thing. Like, man, mentally, like physically, I'm fine, but I'm getting twelve, fourteen minutes, and I'm just like mentally fucking mm. fried. So it's like there's something about training at those really high intensities that almost lets you keep your mind in it in a way that I don't know that you can if you don't go to those crazy places training. That'll probably be through heart rate. I would say that'd be the heart rate. Yeah. Like, I'm no, like, sports scientist, but my resting heart rate is, like, 41 beats a minute. Yeah. Which is, like, borderline dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, sometimes when I do a training ride, if I need to stick in a heart zone, sometimes it takes me, like, a good 40 minutes to actually get it into that zone. Really? Yeah, because it takes me that time to warm up and for my heart to start like working properly and then 
and then it get, actually thought I had a I was very close to going to the doctors when I started my preseason training. Yeah, right. Because I was like, I can't get my heart rate up. Oh, will not come up. Yeah, at yeah, all. yeah. Yeah, but now it's like yes, yeah, it just started to come up again. So, so are you doing that zone training where have you got like a trainer that helps you with that? And he'll say like you've got to do zone one for X amount of time. I haven't, but I've two. worked with a lot of different people to be able to build like that, yeah. my own program. I know so what how, I need to do. So how do you start with that? So I'm kind of looking at doing the same like thing. Pre-season? Like pre-season? Get, yeah, getting a cycle bike and then doing that zone training. We've got a mate that Start did, with a zone two. Yeah. But it's long, tedious rides. That's, that's so... Four hours plus. I got a mate. He did West Williams. You know Verb Moto? Uh, no. Oh, it's like... Bang. I know Verb Moto, but yeah, I don't yeah, know Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the guy that owns Verb. Oh, okay. And um, so we're like, fuck, best mates. Years ago, he did that BC bike race in Canada. Mm. You ever heard of that? Is it like a... It's like a seven-day mountain bike. Oh, I know. Yeah, all through like British Columbia. But we were working together at the time, and he he hired Rob Beams, who was like Dundee's trainer back in the day, to do, to like get him ready for this for this race. And yep. while we were working together... I'd be like fucking dumping cards and editing footage and he's on a stationary bike doing like you said like a four hour stationary ride so yep. how does that like how does that process work so um, let's say this is a race car right and we want to go racing in this car so we take the engine out and we tune all the engine up and we put it back in and we go racing and it's going to be heaps faster it can go for faster for longer so it's the same so you start your pre-season two weeks of zone two let's just say for me it's like I don't know, I think 130 to 140 BPM, yeah. give or take. So you were sitting in that bracket for five, six hours. So you have really, fuck, that's yeah. hectic. And just, just go ride. Yeah. So it t- take me about like four hours to do 100K. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like a nice steady pace, like cruisy, just headphones in. Don't really want to try to do it with other people because their zone two yeah, might not be like yours. It gets yeah, hard yeah, yeah. to stay together and stay in your zones. And then that's your that's your engine built. So how long do you do that for? How two long weeks. does it take? So just two weeks is all you need just two weeks. every day? Yeah, every day. Yeah. Just do two weeks of because it's super low intensity on the legs. Yeah. You just you're soft pedaling. You're just going really slow. Yeah. But it's what you're doing to your body to prepare it. That's your tuning of your engine. Yeah. And then once your engine's tuned, then you can start to hit it a bit harder. And then so where do you go from there? anywhere so like you that's can, that's the most critical you can stage. focus on power rides where you're going to hold power for a certain amount of time you can do yeah one kilometer efforts 500 meter efforts yeah. like hill repeats so i actually had a workout pop up on my strava and it was from um three years ago and there's a hill close to our house called resolute it's called resolute way yeah it's from like the coast road up to like a, a set of shops and i did 20 repeats on it and then I looked on the thing and it's like I did two at 190 power so I just held 190 for one up one repeat and then came down and rode up again at 190 then the next one was 200 yeah next one was 200 210 210 and I just got harder and harder so the cadence was going slower and it started to become like strength work yeah like strength endurance because yeah, yeah, it's getting yeah. real tough and yeah. you, you have to be seated you can't stand up there's just, there's just so many different ways that's cool though but find a group ride if you want to cycle find a group ride and just go smash yourself every week yeah just hang on for dear life yeah always ride with someone better yeah yeah because i've ne- i've like legit never been like proper proper fit like i've definitely got there's a point like a couple of years ago 
doing when I was like really doing I did like pretty much every jiu-jitsu comp that I could do and um and I got like super fit for that sport specifically but that I mean it's it's fairly easy to get fit enough for like a bunch of five minute rounds and then if you're finishing people in like under a minute then you're not you don't really need to be that fit but yeah for moto like you just can't get around that you know like you can't win a race in one lap by fucking throwing a heater I watched all like McGregor's fights and he, he hasn't got a gas tank. No. And I'm sat there going, I'm, I'm sat there watching going, this dude just needs to go ride a push bike yeah. for two or three weeks. So it's a crazy difference, eh? Like, you can notice a massive difference in just two weeks doing that. Uh, or it's like, then you've probably got because to do I have the a Probably ba- because I have a base. Yeah, yeah. But you still have to do the work after. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, you're not just going to ride for two, for two weeks yeah, and no. be fit. Yeah. But it's just that preparation and everything. Over, so if you do two hours, that's just like a waste of time. It takes two hours before your body starts to make them changes. Yeah, right. Of the endurance. Do you know what the changes are that happen physiologically? No. Yeah, okay. I've I mean, just done lots of different training with different people. I've had a running coach. I've had a cycling coach. I've had yeah. personal trainers. I've done uh, CrossFit. Yeah. I've done martial arts and just kind of like Figured try to bring it all works. together and yeah. work out what I like doing and what I enjoy doing so that it doesn't feel like a chore. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's something I'm, I'm like, kind of, yeah, looking forward to doing this but like year, if you prioritising it. If you, I reckon, like, some of the, like, running and cycling, they've got to be, like, the fittest people in the world. The harder thing for me, like, with, with training and running is, like, I went and trained for the first time this year, like, on Monday night. First night back, wake up next morning, can't walk, my feet hurt. <laughs> like, people are just trying to rip my feet off and I'm not tapping to it. And then in the moment, you're sweet and then you wake up in the morning and it feels like you've got like all these marbles in your feet and you can't fucking walk. Yeah, so like so I just would, there's no way I could run. You like just got to train, you just got to train again. Yeah. Active recovery. Yeah. No, I think cycling will help. Like I think that's the low impact or even swimming too. The other day I must've been, when I was riding at AJS, I must've been more on the balls of my feet or more on the toes. Calves were roasted. Calves were roasted. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... I was like hobbling around the same the the night of riding. It already, they already started to tighten up. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna go to 80k tomorrow, just cruisy on the bike. And every single pedal stroke, my calves hurt that. for 80k. And then by lunchtime, they were sweet. And then I did a run on the. I went to John Wayne's John Wayne Parr's gym this morning. Did a bit of work out there, and then I went down to the beach. And I was like, oh, I'll just run, do a couple of laps of the beach. So I just did like a five k run on the beach. So my calves tomorrow will just be toast again, because sand running is just horrendous. You got some energy, bro. It's because the kids aren't here, so I just have a little bit more time to do it. Yeah, okay. Normally I wake up super early and I get my training done before they wake up. Yeah. So right. I'm home for nine o'clock, nearly every morning, and that's whether I run, cycle, ride motocross. Whatever. So if I want to go to a 100k ride, I'll be home for 9 o'clock. Yeah. I'll just wake up earlier. That's cool, though. Yeah. Just try to have a good balance. Yeah. Home life and kids and training and racing and just try and juggle it all and yeah. keep everything sweet. I think the I think the, probably the key to it would just be like having that good routine. Like if you've got that non-negotiable, like I'm home by 9, then you get up by, you know, like, dude, it's been awesome here. We've been getting up at 4, 30, 5 o'clock every day because the sun's mm. up it's like fuck by nine o'clock man like i'm pretty much ready for lunch <laughs> i was really happy that i parked under a tree last night the sun is up early because huh? i wake up at i can't um, believe you stayed i didn't know you were fucking staying in your car yeah well i i didn't book a hotel i was just pretty lazy 
And then I got in the rental car and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pull up at Burley Head's beach car park and just sleep in the car. Not a bad spot to park. So I put the seats down Yeah. and I put the boot cover like... You know, oh yeah yeah so yeah, I had like yeah, a yeah. bit of like a cover yeah and I laid there for like five minutes and I was like this is rock hard I can't lay on this so then I put the seats back up and just laid across the two seats and I only woke up twice in the whole night so I was stoked on that well the whole night I had five hours sleep that's unreal and then woke up had a coffee went and trained at the gym went for a run went for a swim in the beach grabbed some lunch got a haircut doing a pod <laughs> Good day, Burley. You had a big day, man. Just an average day in the life of Burley. I like Burley. It is good, man. Yeah, I've really... Um, I'd love to bring Faye and the kids. Yeah. You said you'd been here before, right? Yeah, a long time ago. Has uh, it changed much? Uh, nah, because we came here super early and surfed, and then I surfed the rocks. Yeah. And then I think we drove, like, the other side and surfed, like, a little bay. Yeah. But um, we came over for a we came over for big day out I think. Yeah right. Fuck yeah. RIP big day out. I know. How good was that? Yeah, it was good from what I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to come over and do sound wave every year. That we, was like that was the one I really fucking liked. Just go uh, and get in a mosh pit, fucking elbow some cunts, and let's go. I was just always in the boiler room. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Dubstep, drum yeah. and bass, tech. That's kind of my. I like the chaos. Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, when did you go uh, get, like, hard with the tattoos? When was that? A, has that always been a thing that you've done? Yeah, just slowly, gradually got more and more. To when the was point the first where, one you got? Uh, I think I was 16. Yeah. Went to Europe, told Dad I wanted one. He said, there was like, he picked, like, the two best English writers, Scott Nichols and Chris Harris, and he said something about beating them. I can't remember the exact, like, deal it was. And then we went to Coventry one night and I beat them both. And then we went to Sheffield and I got the Metal Militia skull on my shoulder blade. Yes! With the Aussie flag in the helmet. Fucking let's go. <laughs> that was my first one. Um, Shout out to Brian Degan. Oh, what a legend, man. And then... Um, so you would have grown up watching like Krusty's oh, yeah. and all that. Bro. Yeah. Out of control. What a time to live. We 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 had one of my one of my dad's best mates. He used to get the crusty VHS from Wayne Leonard motorcycles. This is how much I remember it. And he used to roll around as soon as he got done. We'd be waiting, man. Like all, we'd be like literally me and my brother would be sitting in the living room, just like sitting on the floor because we knew that they'd sit on the couches. Yeah, sitting on the floor waiting, and I would roll through the. Uh, through the front door dad would get home from work and fucking bang straight in there it'd go and then like he'd play it once with his copy and then we'd set up a second vcr and then that'd go in and then we'd like tape over the copy so that, oh, yeah. so that we could actually have it and that motherfucker did not come off for weeks bro yeah. like it it was just such a good time to be alive yeah they they they, they had some fun Oh yeah, they had some. So fun. much of like my music taste, you know, like so much stuff come mm. from those DVDs, yeah, oh, from same. those VHSs. Same, my my dress code yeah. when I was younger, yeah. for sure. That was a uniform. Um, yeah, like DC shoes. It was like two sizes too big for you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Jeans. Osiris and yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, funny as 
and then yeah that was um I, w- I was i was into all that so we went and watched them a few times when they came to um were you at the real gnarly show in perth yeah when everyone ran on the track really yeah you i was there, there at the no shit. i, ran on, the, I ran on the track i was young oh that's my, epic dude. My, my dad flipped because yeah i jumped on the track as well and um yeah i remember oh, i was just it was just carnage man it was chaos that was all bikies right that were running that yeah so the bikies used to run it in perth um and then was it the, the boys or coffin cheaters or something probably the coffin cheaters yeah yeah and then the boys used to get their bikes they used to get the bikes from um Wannery motorcycles yeah um old tommy gladly bless him yeah he would have sorted all them boys out so i actually i actually still have a metal militia sticker Really? Signed by all, like Scummy and Twitch and a few of the other boys from when they was at the sh- at the shop. No shit. Yeah, I've um. Oh, I wonder if it's. I'll send a picture of it when I'm, I think it's in. I think it's in Perth now. Can't remember if I brought it back, but yeah, it's the uh, it's a fifty graphic. Yeah. A metal yeah. militia fifty graphic. Yeah. And then just a metal militia sticker, and they're both all signed up. That's so sick. A lot of people would be like, "Why would you even have that?" But for our it's generation, like our childhood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't we have like that, that was the guys. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool because like with Monster and that, as I've like kind of got better with the racing, and then um, Monster brought Twitch out to the British GP. Oh, sick! Yeah, so that was cool. He's the biggest legend, man. And then the highlight reel, even now, the highlight reel that they play on the big screen, like has Twitch on it, and from when he was at Cardiff and like all, all the other people. So yeah, no, that's cool. He was kind of like a yeah one of the idols growing up one yeah. of the, he, I, I like twitch the best out of all of same them. i think yeah 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 he's had that fucking don't give a fuck attitude it, it's crazy too because and and berriman's the same there's just like this effortless call about those guys and twitch has that like twitch is just effortlessly the coolest motherfucker in the world <laughs> like you hang around him and i mean you'd know like he's just, just you know dude. who he's like He's like if Wiz Khalifa was a white dude that did freestyle. <laughs> like that's pretty much who Twitch is, bro. Yeah. Just the nicest guy. Like, no one's got a bad word to say about him. And just, like, effortlessly cool. Like, you want you want him to like you, no what, matter who you are. What was Travis like? Travis is a G. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. What would your impression be of him? Like, would you think he's different in real life? Uh, no, I can imagine he's pretty, like, full on and on the go all the time yeah but you see people's persona and how they are and I know from like my racing like when I talk mm. on TV it's not yeah it's how not I one, talk one between you yeah, and me yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean yeah like yeah like I can, I'm not allowed to swear on TV and all that sort of stuff so like I have to really watch what I'm saying and then yeah I just wanted to know if there was a different no nah, like different he, persona no nah, I mean yeah there's definitely like a persona that he's got like as soon as you're pointing the camera at him he's like Travis yeah but then you put the camera down and he's still travis but it's like yeah. a, it's, it, it's i think like a, i think most people are like that yeah it's like yeah. he but he's a very genuine dude like there's no there's some people i think the thing that i probably don't like i don't like when it's like simple shit like people don't text you back or they don't and it's not like uh not like people owe you anything mm. but i feel like there's like a certain person, like if you know, if you message me, like it might take me a few days, but I'm like, I'm definitely messaging me back. Like if you, yeah. if you fucking, if you're cool, we're spoken, you know. And I feel like there's a lot of guys where like they're cool, they'll meet you, and you know, but then oh, there's heaps of them. Yeah, like they're just then they'll cool guy you. Like 
Travis is a guy that ain't fucking cool going. Yeah, he's actually he is a really nice dude. Some, sometimes I question whether it's me. <laughs> do you know <laughs> what, what I mean? What do you mean? Like if you message someone and then like I don't know you say like trying to meet up or like do something or like collaborate on something and then they're like like you say like they see you and like oh yeah that'd be sick like let's do something and then nothing happens of it and like they don't reply to your messages don't even open your messages and it's like motherfucker like what am i what am i I that weird like (laughs) then i start questioning myself (laughs) yeah not whether that guy's been a cockhead and just been an asshole and not replying and gone fuck just like do none of these guys like me or something (laughs) yeah uh just fuck it's hard man i think it's just i think a lot of people i think people just like drowning in opportunity these days too you know like we're so so connected there's so much shit you can do all the fucking time like I actually feel like it's just, like, getting harder to get shit done in general, in a sense. Mm, but, like, so I, like, made a list. But you are right. I made a list because, like, obviously Instagram changed all its... Oh, Alex Hayes just texted me. <laughs> oh, have you had Alex yeah, on yeah, the pod? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you had him on? Yeah, yeah, he's a good dude. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. Um, so he's DJing as well. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. doing good, eh? Yeah, he's killing it. Um, just completely got sidetracked. List, list of people. Oh yeah, I wrote a list of people. So when Instagram like changed its its ways, like twelve months ago, whenever it was, I went through all my followers of people that like we follow each other and looked at like tried to pick like a similar amount of followers, like if it was fifty k over or fifty k under. Yeah. So just to keep it in that bracket, and then I was like, I messaged them all and said like, Hey, do you want to like set up this group chat on WhatsApp? And we're all in it. And when somebody posts something on their Instagram, they just drop it in. Yeah. I've just done a post and we all just click on that post and share it to our stories. Yeah. Just instant thousands of followers. So like one was from boxing, Mackie G, drum yeah. and bass DJ, uh, Alex Lowe's World Superbike, Sam Lowe's Moto2. Yeah. Like Tommy Sell Motocross. Yeah. We, we all have this different fan base. And we're just gonna share each other's shit. Yeah. And we all we all benefit from it. Yeah. It's hard to get it off the ground. No good. Yeah. No one likes sharing shit. Yeah. Don't get it. Yeah. We're all here to help each other. That's how I look at it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I think it's just hard. Like, uh, it's again like opportunity. Like, I just feel like nowadays there's almost a point where, like, people have too much opportunity. Like, there's mm. just so much shit that you could, that you could do. And there's even like just low-hanging fruit you know just like yeah. easy shit that that you could do but yeah fuck it's like I, I that's what i find a bit these days like there's just so much shit you could do it's like what do you actually where do you actually put your time and mm. i think the biggest thing i learned probably like one of the biggest things i learned last year was how real opportunity cost is so it's like but it's kind of a double-edged sword it sounds bad in a sense because it's like the reality is, is if I put three hours of time here, that's three hours of time I haven't put somewhere else. And it's like, there's a million important things that you could do. So then when you start to think of it like that, you're like, fuck, I mm. need to, I need to be like razor specific with, with my time. But I think the flip side of it is, and the way that I've sort of, I actually read a really good book called 4,000 Weeks, where it's sort of like really went deep into like this kind of concept Mm. but it's like because you've said no like saying yes to one thing means that you've said no to infinity of other things so that means whether it's something you want to be doing or don't want to be doing you should do it as good as possible 
because either like let's say it's something you don't want to do like the dishes or fuck whatever so like let's say the dishes all right well i'm gonna do this with 100 percent of my attention 100 percent of my focus and as good as i could possibly do it a i don't want to be doing it for very long and b i want to do a really good job so i don't have to fucking do it again or then because it's like i'm doing this menial piece of shit task that i don't actually want to be doing when there's a million other things i'd rather be doing but then uh you go to something that you want to be doing and you use the same logic Mm. and you're just like well i've said yes to doing this thing i want to do it i've said no to a million other things i could be with my wife right now i could be with my kids right now i could be anything else and i'm doing this thing i feel like i I feel like i live my life like that yeah yeah that's sick yeah i feel like like just yeah when you mentioned the dishes like faye sometimes gets annoyed because like i'll i'll do a job and i think i'm helping her yeah. But she'd rather me not do that and do something else because you just create because, more shit for her no you? i'm not i'm actually doing something but like i always tend to like if the, the laundry baskets are full i'll do all the washing all at once yeah and like get it all done like the washing machine will be on all day yeah and i feel like okay i've done all the washings so that's helped Faye. but instead of me using that time and getting all that and hanging it all on the clothes horse and which is kind of like helping her because I feel like if I do it, then she hasn't got to do it. Yeah, yeah. But she'd rather be help, she'd rather me help her do something else, like feed the kids or something. Like, she, yeah. or, whereas, and it just it just works like that. Like I come in and I'll just be in the zone, and I'll be like, oh, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, and, and then all of a sudden, three hours has gone past, done all these jobs. Yeah, but what have you done? And then Faye's like, oh, I could have like done with you helping me with that, and yeah, would you mind doing that? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, not a problem. I still do it. But she just says to me like, just don't do them things that you always do just try and but yeah everything like then i think with the training like yeah i go out and when i get on the bike i know i'm on that bike for two three hours four hours so yeah let's let's go let's get it done yeah and i think that you're everything into it you're living in that way as well where you're you're like this is my time training i'm home by nine Mm. and then so it's like you've just gotta you're giving yourself that restriction of time so it's like everything's got to get fit into this specific um, you know slot that you've got yeah yeah so it's funny like the racing side just comes into your life yeah like I'd probably be if I didn't race I'd probably be a completely different person yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? oh you would be for sure because of that like but because that competition and that fire and probably selfish I, I would say I'm very selfish you, you have to be yeah I think like I actually don't think that you can be an athlete on that level without yeah, being selfish me and Faye have had this discussion a few times yeah 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 and we, I was talking with Jake Dixon because and, and his 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 wife because she's like me and Jake are very similar like we're flat out all the time yeah constantly want to do something selfish just focus on our training and you know it doesn't really matter what else is going on as long as we get our training done because that's what we have to do yeah and um, it is selfish it's super selfish but yeah, I think I think it, from the discussions I've had with other various people and athletes and and their partners, yeah, I think we're all the same. Oh, dude, I'm the same with business. Like, mm. there's stuff. Dude, last night we were like, we we're going, we we're going to get like finished training, and I was like, all right, let's go to the. My missus like, right, we'll just call into the shops, we'll get some grocery, and I was like, she's like, will you help me cook? And I'm like, no, <laughs> just no. I've got things I need to do that aren't cooking. I was like you go shopping once just get all the food for all the week like let's just not do let's cut out the time that you're working on work blah 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 and then it's like in that moment I felt pretty fucking shitty for doing it but mm. it's just like I've got 
three hours worth of work and it's seven o'clock and I'm trying to go to bed at 9.30. Like the math ain't math and we're fucking getting Uber Eats. Like we're not. That, so I think that there's just a, there's a level. It's just like a discipline thing in a sense, you know, like you end up being selfish out of the discipline and it's like you reverse engineer what you think it will take to achieve your goals and then you stick to them. And then there's, there's times where you have to, like say no or be super selfish because it's like if i i'm not selfish here right now then i can't stick to the program i can't complete the tasks that have to get done and to be honest i don't feel that bad about that you know do you train pretty regularly yeah do you find that if you have a day off or you miss a session that you should have done like there's like puts you in a hole I'm the biggest asshole if I don't do what I'm meant to do. I feel it like ruins it's my day. It's probably I'm not probably not a daily guy. Like if it if I skip a day, I'm probably not. But if I skip a few days, then yeah, like because when I went when I did the last Dubai trip, I didn't do any jujitsu. I just like I was just in the gym doing weights, which was still good. But you don't get the it's not the same kind of feeling. But yeah, no, I complete completely relate. And then I, when I trained monday night i was just like let's fucking go i was like in the best mood i was like this is so much fun like oh it's a there's like it's almost it's pretty much a drug i reckon yeah endorphins 100 percent. Sure. you get addicted to that feeling and when i if i wake up i pull this up if i wake up and it's um i don't know like say like eight o'clock and i haven't done a training session i just wake up and i'm in a mood straight away yeah like from opening my eyes I'm in a mood. Yeah, you're you're on a different <laughs> level than me. I know what you're saying, but you're on a different level. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I'm not good. mad at it though. I am. What? Because yeah, there's just a few things about myself that I'm trying to figure out, like the the constant wanting more. Yeah. Like I, I have to be satisfied at some point. Yeah. Or is is the satisfaction like when I'm dead? Do you know what I mean? You need to. This is like, yeah. do I skydive, then jump out of a helicopter, then jump out of a hot air balloon? then base jump then base jumping is not enough so I want to jump out like Pastrana did without a parachute like I'm just I'm gonna like I want to do that I, yeah. I tried to do that this year yeah. but I haven't got my skydive license and it's illegal in Poland Yeah. so I was like let's fucking fly to Russia are oh, they starting a war okay so, they can't go there but I probably could have done it in Russia I but think like, that there's like a there's a logic to there's a logic to this I don't, I'm gonna try and like craft an analogy right <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it'll like resonate with you there we go but I'm just I'm gonna try it's like how many chicks do you need to fuck before you figure out that going to the bar talking to a chick telling the same stories doing the same lines having the same chats getting her back to your apartment having the same sex like how many times do you have to do that before you realize that whatever you're trying to get from it it isn't giving you what you actually want and then you decide oh here's this chick and if i get married to her like yeah i'm not gonna be able to fuck all these hoes that i've been fucking for all these years but there's something else here you know there's like there's you know, there's this long-term partnership and there's this it's a good analogy yeah but it doesn't work why <laughs> because the things that i'm doing that's because you haven't figured out that you've already got what you're chasing no, the things that I'm doing are really high adrenaline things. Yeah. And I think that's where it is. Yeah, so... It's chasing that feeling, that buzz. Yeah. And the buzz needs to be constant. The bar needs to be raised to get that same buzz. Yeah. 
to the point where I have to do a double backflip, have to jump, I have to skydive without a parachute. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the the things are just getting the level. We're leveling up. Yeah, yeah. We're leveling yeah. up hard. Yeah, well, I think um, you should. Uh, do you read much? Do you like nah. audio books? Would you do an audio book? I've 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 wrote a book. I've you done wrote a book. Yeah, I've got the my autobiography. Have you? I haven't read it. Nor pull, have I, pull it up. Nor have I audio booked it. Really? <laughs> yeah. How well, was I've, the process I've, of writing? I've it? lived it. <laughs> how How was the writing process of it? Did Long, you have a three years? Did you have a person write it? Have a ghost writer. Yeah. Yeah. How did that go? Yeah, it was good. It was it was a challenge, and there is so much stuff that's not in it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, naturally, why he was in, he, he was uh, he's an English dude, Peter Oakes, been involved in Speedway his whole life. Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. Uh, so he wrote it from more of an English side. That's sick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he wrote it from more of an English side. So we missed a lot of Polish stuff out. Yeah. To the point where like I didn't I didn't even mention the people that I ride for now. Yeah. Right. But there's just so much stuff goes into it. Yeah. You're bound to miss stuff out. What? So what was the process like? The process was him interviewing me. Just like constant hours on yeah, end, yeah, numerous amounts of times, yeah. And then if, when I wasn't with him, if something triggered, like you know, when you're just talking to somebody, and you remember a story, yeah, yeah. Audio note, yeah. Audio note, just drop them in because yeah, right. they're the ones that when you sat thinking, you don't, you don't remember them like yeah, yeah. story stories, yeah. Like before Dad passed away, like there was loads of stories when we was like doing a bunch of stuff together, like traveling around and. I was able to call on them because um, my godfather would mention something and yeah. my mum, he would always be spoken about. Mm. So it would trigger lots of memories. So there was, there was yeah. a fair bit of in there about him. Um, yeah, it was a process. I could do another one and then probably another one. Yeah, I could probably, you probably, probably do another, t- another two. No, that's cool. They're very time consuming. I bet. And they're not profitable. No. Nah. No. Nah. I think it's just something. It's cool to have a book, though. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I'll send uh, you one. Yeah, fuck, I'd love to, dude. I'd definitely read it. So, are you a book and a helmet now? Yeah. You need a helmet in here. Yeah, I got a, I got a couple of little monster ones. There's, fuck, they're on the floor. I need to fix that. Um, Sam Hill, Eli Tomac, a couple bangers down there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, dude, I I get it. Like, there's a, uh, like, I feel like Robbie Madison's kind of in that same boat, you know? Like, he's just got crazier, 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 crazier. Like, Trav's, like, kind of the same. I think that the they're the guys I need to have this discussion with. Yeah, because they're way older. Have so. you heard Travis talk about it much on the? There's like a pretty. Cra- I'll, I'll I'll try and find the clip. It's funny though because I've been. I feel like it's a question, and this podcast was probably a. This podcast was probably come out of like that same question. Whereas I feel like for me the questions framed a little bit differently for you. Like I don't know that i get so much of a kick out of like the adrenaline or like the gnarly shit but what i noticed really early on as a kid i'm talking probably eight nine years old like i noticed how the thoughts in my head were and i noticed that i that there was a conversation that was always going on in my head constantly i was just talking to myself essentially Mm. there's a water oh there's a monster well, I fucking know there's monster. I'm looking at it. What do I like? Yeah, in a chimp. What's the conversation like? You know, so that voice became like very, it was very salient, and I was like, I didn't really kind of understand it. But the thing, and I think this is why, like, I loved Moto my whole life, was that 
or like BMX. Like I was crazy into BMX when I was a kid, like dirt jumps. Then I rode like downhill mountain bikes. And then when I could afford a moto, then I had a moto. Then I was racing. And it was all, dude, I was fucking desperate to ride. Like just would do anything, just anything to be on a bike. I'd go in the shed, sit on my bike. Like as soon as I was around bikes, then it just calmed down. All the thoughts, all the, like that kind of conversation, that sort of goes away. Mm. And then I would ride and then it was just completely gone. And you'd have like a whole day. Mental clarity. And then you'd go back in the car on the way home and then it'd kick up again and you'd know, and you'd be like, fuck, that's sick. I was just like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't have that, you know? Mm. And then when I started, that sort of got me like kind of, like interested in like the filming side of it and then the storytelling side of it has always been about kind of like querying people on that like you said like that's i need to have that quite that conversation with travis and robbie well i did like that's what like i wanted to to find that shit out you know but theirs was always so gnarly and like you said you know like they're constantly having to up the ante and i was i always felt scared like i was never a guy that wanted to do the gnarly shit i just wanted to kind of go and like the take the light version of whatever drug it was that mm. we're all on you know but yeah i think that you know if you, if you hear those guys like travis i asked him about the time where he jumped out of the plane but i, I said something that fuck, we'd, we'd have to go back and watch it but i was like i was like is there like a moment right before you jump where like that's where the noise stops and that's the time that you got peace and quiet and that's the time where you're sort of like you're almost away from those demons for that moment and then you have that like post realization after you skydive and you land and you're safe and that's fine that you then you can reflect and you're like oh, i was gone i was free like i was out of that and then you need to kind of go back there and i think i just think that's what's going on with with all you guys and with anyone that that likes to ride and anyone that likes to surf and and there's these moments through our life and that's what got me super into i guess like the meditation side of things and then and thinking about ego and then this doing this show was like a real big ego test for me because i was like having a look at myself all the time there's definitely like times in my life where i didn't really like myself so then to not really like yourself and then to be doing a podcast and then editing it and judging every word you said and like you know that criticism that comes with that that was like a really gnarly process to go through and then that was tying in the ego thing started tying into the, the those questions of like wanting more constantly and i might not be wanting more in a sense of uh, like doing gnarly fucking shit to get more adrenaline but I've always been on like a climb in my life of like I literally started in like this tiny fucking tiny suburb of Cairns with fuck all and then I've done you know I've like been and done so much crazy shit like there's there's a drive that comes from that you know yeah but that's sure. a thing that you can't sort of be satisfied so I think for me I when I kind of found the like meditation stuff so much shit made sense and then it's like oh what meditation and or like not meditation but what that whole thinking offers you like that whole world view it lets you see the like what you're getting out of the extreme shit mm. and that you're already that same person when you're not doing the extreme shit there's just a lens that you've got to look through while you're not doing the crazy shit and know 
because like essentially the 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 whole fucking long and the short of it or at all in a nutshell is like what you are is like conscious experience like you know that you're you having this experience and there's like so that that's your consciousness if you're awake and you know i'm ty i'm here i'm having this fucking thing go on then everything else that's like base level then everything else is just the contents of your consciousness so like in your life the contents of your consciousness could be like fucking your missus at one point or winning a world championship at one point or jumping out of a plane at one point or dj like that's all just it's the same consciousness that's Mm. filled with like a different contents and the the thing to kind of try and find is that when you're jumping out of a plane and you get that adrenaline and you get that rush what you're actually getting is pure experience there's no conversation about your experience there's no looking to the future there's no looking to the past like that you're so raw brought into the moment that the self drops away that conversation drops away any demons drop away any fears any insecurity all of the negative parts about having an experience are gone and you're just left with an experience and it's a fucking wild experience as well there's a bunch of like physiology that goes along with it but at the end of the day it's still consciousness which is you having an experience and knowing you have an experience and then it's contents it's funny it's funny the way you've actually like really opened my eyes the way you just put that because I get I get what you mean yeah I have that voice as well yeah we all do and when and you're 100% right in what you say like when you go ride motocross you, you don't hear that voice yeah all day nah and it's the same like um, put in uh, Ty Wolfen and Skydiving on a uh, oh, might be on my just go on my YouTube channel wait, wait, you, no, no, no 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 I'm just trying to fuck off notifications <laughs> I'm getting them on me watch uh, jumping out of planes the bottom one so we just made this little video yeah. um, I can't remember what it was maybe last year because Monster was doing these like little um, it was called Talking Dirt and yeah. they did like a little um, like episodes Yeah. and I said like I want to do mine but like all the other guys were like talking like they was walking around the city and having a chat to camera and all this Oh, swish with the fucking you know espresso cap. Um, and I was like, I want to do mine, but I don't want to talk on it. Yeah. I just want to show, like, a day. Yeah. So we anyway, we came up with this. I thought it was pretty cool. But when I... I originally called this video Mental Clarity because when I'm falling for that minute of free fall at 200-odd kilometers an hour, I don't think about anything. Yeah. I don't think about Speedway. I don't think about Faye. I don't think about the kids. It's just emptiness. Yeah. And it's nice. It's nice. So that <laughs> that word, emptiness, is like the core tenant of Buddhism. Yeah, right. That's the word. That's the fucking... That's the whole... Dude, this is so sick. Yeah, that's, that's the whole deal is like is emptiness. And I mean, yeah, I think for... Like, I'd just be like, fuck, you should just try and you should set a bit of a challenge for yourself to try and get that level of what you call emptiness but in a just literally sitting by yourself yeah like sitting by yourself in a room some you know you can either have like guided meditation you can have music Mm. but like that same i'm gonna try 
that same le- like emptiness literally that's what bu- the buddha called it emptiness like the the, the and that's, it, that's what it is yeah it's literally like there's nothing between your ears at all no the feeling um just turn that the mute it for us griff the feeling of um the feeling of when you go into that zone in like a meditation sense i always explain it like i actually want to get it tattooed it's like imagine if you were and it's probably the same feeling right as you're jumping out of a plane which i haven't done but i imagine it like imagine you were outside on a space station and you were doing maintenance on a space station and you were like clipped in and you had the carabiner and you were fucking floating off the space station you're like trying to fix it and then all of a sudden that carabiner unclips can you imagine the feeling of emptiness that would hit you knowing that you'd be like no there's not you're done like there's no way so like that feeling of like unclipping and it's almost like i i feel i just i feel it when i when i do it not every time but it's like it's almost as well the uh uh similar feeling of when you about to fall off a chair but you save it Mm. you know that same everything just like like it just drops away and all of a sudden all you are is that feeling of flying there's nothing else that's like kind of of feeling of falling you know mm. and i imagine it's that same kind of thing when you're like you're about to jump out of that plane and you when you go from like f- having a footing on the actual the fuselage of the plane to then nothing like that just be that that sort of feeling you know so yeah emptiness is the word i know it's a good feeling i know it's like there's just something about jumping out of a, a plane that's satisfying yeah really satisfying yeah, I'm scared to do it for a couple of reasons, and probably one of them is to not be fucking addicted to it. Yeah, so it's a really funny one because I've done a few tandems, and the tandems are actually more scary. Yeah, that's what I'd be tripping on. Because you're strapped to somebody, yeah, and they're in control, control, and yeah. they go out when they're ready, and you just long for the ride. Yeah. But when you jump on your own, you're going through so much of a process because you learn some stuff in the classroom, and then you have to execute it when you jump. And the next time you go up again, you learn something and you execute it. So from jumping out the plane, you're already thinking about body position, fucking heading, altitude, like you're just going through your checks. And because you're going through your checks, you're not actually thinking that you're jumping out of a plane yeah, 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 yeah. and you're falling fast. Yeah. But yeah, it's... Um, like, you know, sometimes if you stand off something really high and you want to go jump off it, but you're a bit like, well, yeah, you, can't, yeah. you just can't do it. Yeah. Well, I always, if you ever have that feeling, gainer off it. Yeah. If something's really, really high and you're a bit like sketchy, just, just run and do a gainer off it. Yeah. Because you're thinking about the gainer not the and jump. not how big the jump yeah, is. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. And hard, actually works. Hard to commit to, but good advice. Yeah. <laughs> True. You don't have to do it. You get to do it. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's, I think that there's... That's Harry's quote, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that there's something there, though, when it comes to, you know... Oh, God, dude, I've spent so much time thinking about it. And, like, I even went back through old podcasts with, like, Maddo and Travis to... Before I started that, like, I guess, just that direction. And, and yeah, I was... I was always looking for the answer like i was looking for the same answer it showed up in my life in in different in different ways um but yeah there's there's just like a lot a lot to be found there you know like i've had like i did a, a float tank um a couple of years ago 
full-blown like psychedelic experience how long did you do it for i was in there for an hour oh really and i just like it was one of those times um it was one of those times like sometimes i go in there and i'll just like i'll just be chilling and fucking i'm just doing my hour if i fall asleep if I fall, I fall asleep if i fucking think some cool shit for work like no guidelines you know yeah. i'm just in there but then i went in this time i was just like fully like okay i'm gonna meditate in here like i'm actually doing it and yeah i don't know how long i would have got into it like pretty much i was just getting distracted getting distracted you know minds drifting off and then just slipped into it and it was fucking hectic and i was like it was so sick that i was like don't fuck this up in a sense you know like that voice that said don't fuck this up like you can't be here anymore yeah and then yeah it went away and i don't know how long it was but they literally just felt because you you're in have you done one of them yeah yeah you're in the dark but do you feel where you can like feel the boundary like even when you're in it there's like a certain point yeah you, where you like you know. can feel how big the pot is yeah there was nothing bro like just, oh, just i literally it was like laying in the ocean nah not even man like the universe it was so it was so sick like i was in it and then it just start. it felt like i was in the pod right so i was about this wide and then all of a sudden i just started expanding and expand like the the walls of the pod to where like they went away and it was just like you know when they say like the universe is always expanding that's just mm. what it felt like it was just yeah, in a right. constant and i was i was like that for ages man so there's like i think the only way that, i'd be able to access that is by taking shrooms <laughs> no nah, but that's that's what i'm telling you it's not it's the same it's sort of the it's the same kind of feeling you know like it's the same whatever and i think that's why people like psychedelics as well is that it puts you in that place where you're just experiencing the experience you're not narrating the experience with the voice in your head you're not like oh there's a cup of monster you're just looking at the cup of monster you know yeah wow there's something to be found i'm telling you and then dude like i'm telling you how how do you how can you like so for the people that haven't done it yeah you you can't explain what it's like to have mushies like you just can't physically do it no no so when when you're tripping it is the best thing in the world yeah like it would be unreal if you could actually access that part of your brain without having to take the drug well the thing is like so when you think about um like psychedelics or whatever when you're in like a full-blown trip and you got the visuals are going crazy and you feel it's that same feeling where you feel like you're just expanding and it's like do and mdma is like a gnarly one as well like i actually think mdma is probably like one of the gnarliest psychedelic experiences that i've had because there was a night like x games after party in sydney like random night to have like a spiritual experience i had fucking a bunch of this shit and i was like i literally just loved everybody like just full-blown loved every like i felt i literally felt like i was love and i was just walking around and everybody that I touched was just... It was all fucking but that's just, all love. That's just the feeling you get from that. But it's not like a psychedelic. But it was psychedelic in that in that sense, you know? Because it took over, like, literally all of me. Like, it was a very... Yeah, you were just cooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you think about it in, like, that... I guess that context. But to, to go back to the what you're saying about, like, mushrooms, you you think you're, like, actually adding something... So, like, let's say you're just sitting here right now and your your experience is, like, of a normal person. We're just, like, chilling in the studio. We both take five grams of mushrooms and we fucking turn the lights down and we put some weird shit on the TV. Then in an hour, 
it's going to be a radically different experience. Oh, yeah. And you would have thought that you added something to your brain. Yeah. Which you technically did. But what actually happens at the level of the brain is that all the activity slows down. So you're not actually like over-stimulating the brain. You're under-stimulating the brain. And there's a part of the, like a circuit in your brain called the default mode network. And that's pretty much like kind of what they think like that voice in the head is. And when you take like shrooms or DMT or whatever, it just bottoms it out. And that DMT, that default mode network, is and you like you'd have this like riding and all sorts of shit but one of the gnarliest times i ever had this was doing this mountain bike track called slipperies in uh in cairns and i just fully it clicked i was like oh that's why i fucking felt like i was gonna die the entire way down this track like it's just tree roots bro like there's no dirt and it just had like some rain and there's like moss all over the trees full lock breaks the whole way just just going down i was so fucking focused and so in the zone i didn't even exist all that existed was not dying yeah, on this fucking mountain bike. and that'd be like you for a minute like but i'm sure like there's probably a, you're way more in control than that so there's probably more room for thought but i mean i'm sure there's times where you've had races where there's just like nothing you're just so fucking yeah. in it and then you come back and you're like that was unreal but yeah it's like it makes sense that you have these in action sports you're having these experiences that are so fucking gnarly like life or death and as a like a biological creature your body doesn't know that we're just doing this for fun like we're just doing this for kicks yeah that's they pro- literally think that you're going to fucking die that's probably why like everything slows down as well yeah like cause shit slows down when you start going really fast yeah come like I know there's um there's actually a video on YouTube where like somebody they've got this watch and it's flicking around and it's stopping for like one millisecond on one number yeah and you can't see it when you're looking at the watch but when you skydive they can you can tell which number it is because wow. of the adrenaline really so as the adrenaline pumps up yeah everything slows down and you can spot the number yeah just from the adrenaline well you think about your brain your brain's essentially like a computer. So it's like a neural network. Like you can, it's an analog neural network. Like you can make analog computers that it's like, a, it's replicating on like a super fucking base level of what's going on, right? But any computer, you've got all these different areas that need power. And it's like for, we're running Premiere Pro and we're editing a, a 4K video and then we export that 4K video. Well, guess what? Your fucking email doesn't work properly. You know what I mean? So I, your brain's a very similar thing. So yeah, you're when you're falling out of a plane or you're in like a Speedway main event or a Supercross main event, then your brain's just going like, it doesn't know you're doing it for fun, doesn't know that it's your job, doesn't, doesn't give a fuck about any of that. Like your body's just a biological organism and it's going like okay put zero resources to giving a fuck about the laundry and you know and just put you into that moment and you've got more resources available for like you said that the watch and you know shit like that mm. so yeah the it's a it's a fascinating topic and it's a yeah it's definitely become like a passion i mean people probably get sick of hearing me talk about it on here but i think that especially for guys like you i don't think people understand the guys like you probably think you have something wrong with you. Yeah, I do. <laughs> like, I genuinely tra- do. Travis Wood, Rob, like all those guys. They- Why do I need to keep doing all this shit? Yeah. Why? Yeah. What am I getting from it? 
Yeah, you like just, really, what am I getting from it? You're getting away from that voice, just, bro. Just a little buzz for like however long you get out of it. Yeah, yeah, and then, that long. and then you want to, yeah, and then you you want it again. Yeah. So, but I think so. I guess like to fucking bookend it without you know taking you on a two hour ride. I think that the the thing that you can ultimately I think we've already done the two hour ride. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that you can ultimately get from it, and this is sort of this, I guess, where I'm at, and then going forward is like how do you recognize in the moment when you're striving for something too much to where because like i said you're an athlete you're a fucking provider like there's a point where you have to do it right you got to think about the future you got to want more for yourself you got to want more for your family but i always nowadays i just try and think of everything in like a point of diminishing returns so like where and you dying skydiving would be like diminishing returns you know what I mean so it's like you always have to sort of think about like okay where's the, where does this stop serving me and then you then you look and you go like okay so I'm this just conscious being and there's like the reason why I'm loving these crazy experiences that I'm having is that it's taking away all of it's stripping a lot of things away from my experience and just getting me closer to experience but what you're getting is like you're getting closer to just who you are without the voice in your head essentially Mm. and you need that medium to do it so it's like then you try and figure out a way to understand what you're actually chasing and then know that the conscious you like you're just having an experience 24 hours a day whether you're having a shit or skydiving like the same at the bottom of it, what you find skydiving is still there while you're shitting on the toilet. There's just all these other layers over the top of it that are stopping you from being in that same place, I guess. I'm going to look into it. Yeah, I reckon you should. I'm going to look into it. There's some answers to be found. And you know next time I come on this pod, I'm going to come with a shit ton of mushrooms. (laughs) Dude, I'll do it for sure. Have you seen the pod with um, Tyson and somebody else? Mike Tyson when yeah, he, did him. he did oh the Nelk Boys one nah was it wasn't Nelk Boys he was fucked up on mushrooms on the Nelk Boys one too do you watch you don't watch Nelk I'm just assuming you watch Nelk Boys Never there mind. was one with um, there was one with Mike and, and a, I think it was a rapper and Mike has some and he's like yeah you have some and he had a dude and they're just tripping balls try and search that I wonder who that was so next time I come on this pod when's that gonna be? When, be when are you back oh whenever whenever you want me I come and talk shit all day. I'm always keen, bro. My, Mike Tyson mushroom on podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's already a search thing. Uh, go the down. game, Mike Tyson, the game. Yeah, let's go to this. Let's just. We might have to cut this bit from the actual. We keep it on iTunes. Dude, Mike Tyson's. Keep fast forwarding. So this is the. And smoking fucking bulk weed too while he's doing it. I think he had the same kind of deal, man, where he like got to this point where it's like the ego that it takes to be like he would say like a killing machine. Like you've got it. There's a voice in your head. Like there's a. He had convers- a point where he 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 changed. You have to drop it, man. It can't. You can't do it all. You can't be that guy forever. You know. Go fast forward even more. Let's see how fucking weird they get. Oh no! Oh, it's not going to show you. It's going to show I'm eating it. Damn. 
I'm in heaven. <laughs> I'm in heaven. <laughs> go, go back to the... Go, let's go to like the end of this where they go down. Yeah. No, go up. Top one. Top one. Tyson's face. Let's get it. Which oh, one? No, no, no. Nah, this one here. The game one. Yeah, that one. The, go to the like the... Go to the end. Yeah, let's see how fucked up they are by the end of this. Oh, yeah. They're faded as fuck. Do you find when you're in streams, like, it's really hard to walk? Oh, bro. I'm like... Pause it. Pause it. Dude, I, I'm... I actually don't know that I could do the podcast, eh? Like, I fucking get laid out, bro. We would literally have to get rid of these mics and have, like, the clip-ons. Yes, yeah. we'd just be like... <laughs> we'd be out, like, in the next door's fucking building. You could do it. Or you could do, like, a small bit, but you, I couldn't do... I reckon I couldn't do any more than three grams and do a podcast. Like I literally do. I don't. I'd, I've never worked it out in weight. Uh, ah, yeah. just bags. Just like, yeah, yeah. From Bali. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, WA is crazy for them. Yeah, I know. There's, I heard someone say that the other day. Oh, I never knew that. Bro, down in Manji. Yeah, it's like perfect growing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We. I went to the the first year at the Manji after party, bro. Like I took some. Everyone's on shrooms. No, just me and my <laughs> my mate Eelsy. <laughs> He's from Cairns. We had these fucking shrooms and like everyone was coming up talking to me and I was just like, fuck, I've not got it in me. Eh? And like yeah. when you talk for a living, people expect to have a good combo with you. And yeah, I was for like, sure. I'm fucking done, guys. <laughs> Can't do this. Oh, we, so like I remember when we had some and we went and got them all, went back to the hotel. You know, I think it's Poppies 2, which is the Poppies with the kink in it where Twisted Monkey is. In which where Kuda? in Bali? Oh, I haven't spent much time in Kuda. Oh. I was in like Changu basically. Okay, so in Kuda you got like you got the club strip and the coast road, and then you have a road that connects them. You got Poppies One and Pop- I think it's Poppies Two with the like zigzag in it. Yeah. And on the zigzag, there's a place called Twisted Monkey, and you go upstairs. There's like a pool table and a monkey in a cage, and <laughs> it's one bag for a girl, two bags for a guy, and they blitz it up in, with Fanta and away yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we all went and. All my mates are walking chain link hand in hand, like walking down Poppies too, and they got like fireworks and the Barlows know that you're done. Yeah. So they're like shining lasers at them and all. And I'm cruising on a scooter. I had a scooter. I was riding the scooter up and down this street, like just, just doing my own thing. And then you could turn the key off and pull the key out and it would still keep going. And I was like riding around showing mates the key and they were just all going, what the fuck? Like, how are you doing that? Oh man, so funny. And then you know how you said like you turn the light off yeah. and like you'd just be in this like whole different dimension. Yeah. So it was a two story hotel and my mates was on the top and they had uh they had no T V on, but the lights was on and the aircon was on, and then my mates were staying directly under and they had Alice in Wonderland on oh, with no bro. aircon and no lights. And for like an hour I was just up, down, up, down. And it was I was having these complete like mood changes yeah because when i was in the hot room with the dark lights i was like fucking what's going on like yeah. <laughs> and then i go upstairs i'd be like oh these are great <laughs> and just like yeah just having that constant up and down for I an get, hour i get like crazy waves doing it eh? it's fucking yeah it's a i try i mean yeah i try and do it do it when i can and, and do like a good dose of it but yeah it's a it's a hard thing to get through eh? i haven't done it for ages man it's, oh when are you going back to bali next week oh bang nah can't nah nah not when I'm pre-season yeah nah will you be able to still train over there much yeah dude yeah, yeah. fuck yeah it'll be good heat training 
Yeah, what sort of training will you do then? I'll just run. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I try to do like minimum 12K a day. Yeah. Get, I get some long ones in. Yeah. I haven't run a marathon yet. I really want to run a marathon. 42, eh? Yeah. Is it 42 or 44? I think it's 42. I think a half marathon is 22 point something. Oh, so there must be 44, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. But yeah, that, like Ned Brockman. Yeah. <laughs> Gnarly, bro. You, you can't fathom how... No. Like, I did 19K the other day, and my, le- my knees were hurting, arches of my feet were hurting. Bro, 100 a day. For how many days? Two weeks? No, Longer? dude. Can you just Google how long, like, Ned Brockman run? Like, exactly what he's he gonna be. He's going to be fucked for a while, hey? Yeah, I'd say he'll have some serious ramifications for his body. For like, sure. he was out running today. He posted on his story that he was doing a run today. Ran 4,000... Yeah, click, in, click into that. We just won't... Um, 4,000 Ks, bro. Go down, go down, go down. Um, bit of an understatement because a little over a month ago, so it took him a month to run 4,000 Ks. Over 46 days and 12 hours, he pushed himself to the limit, running to Sydney's Bondi Beach, where he's welcomed 46 by thousands days and of fans. 40, so 46 and a half days. Yeah, a month and a half, man. So keep going down. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, 1.82 million dollars raised body cooked it 11 kg he lost, lost 11 it. kilograms yeah he was skinny anyway before he started yeah yeah dude insane and you know what's crazy I can't remember who I was talking to about this but um, it was only the last two weeks like I followed I had someone send me pretty much when he started I had someone send me his whole deal I was like fuck that's gnarly like that's really cool so I started following him I followed the whole thing and like you're just watching this poor cunt suffer for like two weeks before and literally his fundraiser had like fuck all and then it wasn't so I mean he ran probably half of it without anyone caring so can you imagine the torture that he would have gone through thinking like man what if I only raised like fucking 20 grand he said day 11 was his worst day yeah and after that it started to get better i guess yeah i don't know how i think better is just knowing that people care what you're doing no like 11 days like he's i think he says his 11th day was his lowest point of the whole trip yeah like he was just spent he was done yeah yeah but then he's like yeah the days after he started to get in a rhythm i guess yeah well and i think too just like kind of getting the momentum and the recognition like you you mentally for me and he deserves way more oh fuck yeah oh for sure but I think for me mentally I'd need people to support me (laughs) like just to do it on your own like and know you're doing it for this charity like if it didn't work and people didn't want to support what you were doing fuck you so I like suffering when I go train I like suffering but that's a whole another level oh yeah that's psycho dude I, I don't think I would I don't think I'd be able to do that I don't think I'd ever be able to run 100 kilometers in in one run I'm sure you could yeah, probably if I put my mind to it and train for it, then yeah, of course I would. But just know what he did. Every single person in Australia should know who he is. Ned Brockman. Yeah, yeah. When every single person in Australia should know, when somebody says Ned Brockman, they go, "That's the dude that ran across Australia." Yeah, I think he should be the second most famous Ned in Australia, hands down. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, he's a fucking, he's an animal, dude incredible and for a good cause as well for the homeless people yeah that's, yeah. Sh- that's shit when you see that oh yeah and I, again it's 
it's a 50 50 thing because some of them are there because they're alcoholics some of them are there because they're drug addicts yeah so for them guys if they've had a chance at fixing themselves and they haven't done it then it is what it is yeah might as well just cull them <laughs> but all the other people yeah. that have come into hardship or lost family or but even like being a drug addict man like I don't. I just don't know like that many people that want to be drug drug addicts. Like I feel like that's a. I feel but like, they do because they keep going back. Yeah, but there's no such thing as addiction. I, I Bullshit. Think, I think that your the situ like because if you think about the fact that you don't get to control the situation that you're born into, so like if you get born to like drug addict parents, that's just like you're at negative five thousand points in life compared to where i started you know so it's like everyone does have a chance to make something of themselves but i think that there's there's a certain way that you could grow up to where you're just fucking doomed you know and i think that that's that's probably like it's probably where i think maybe i start because i do i do agree with you but i start to have more compassion to creep in when you because like i've i know people that are fucking drug addicts and then i look at their life and then i'm like what fucking chance did you have like I know the person's dad I know the things that he did to him I know that the, that person's dad shot himself at the dinner table when he mm. was a fucking 10 year old boy you know like there's, yeah. some, there's some fucked up shit to like I know what you're saying but like sometimes man like some people are just born with such a shitty start yeah and they're using that as a as a getaway yeah oh dude like uh, I can understand sure. it but even even though you're using it as a getaway there will be a point where they question Mm. if they should stop Mm. there would be a point where they their body actually says to themselves like that head wakes up and goes you should probably fucking stop doing this mate yeah that must happen at some point definitely and they choose to keep going yeah yeah no no i know but it'd be so hard to know exactly who's a result of what you know because i'm sure you know some people where you're like God, that guy's a dickhead, but I know his dad. <laughs> and I know his dad's dad. I know the mates he hung out with. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, at any point he could have said. But like, does do you even know to say, or do, how do you even know that your dad's a dickhead and that your fucking mates a dickhead? Yeah. Like, no, if, yeah, you're, okay, yeah. if, if, you're, if you're in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, But you are right. And Ned Brockman should be known by basically everyone in Australia. He should. He's he a should. fucking G. Hopefully he sees this. We tag him in it. Maybe Ned Brockman, you are an absolute champion, mate. The G. So what? Um, so what do you got going on? You got the practice tomorrow at the Darcy Darcy Ward Invitational. Invitational. Yep. Practice tomorrow at lunchtime. Um, little rip on the foils with Harley in the morning. Yeah. And then uh, no plans tomorrow, Arvo. And then race on Friday. Then come home Saturday. Yeah, sick. So what's the deal with the race? North Brizzy Cup. North, uh, Brisbane, North Brisbane uh, Stadium. North Brisbane Raceway, Raceway yeah. 7 p.m. start yeah. or 7.30. Yeah. Uh, it's on Darcy Ward's um, Instagram. Who else is racing it? Uh, there's a few good boys. Uh, Jason Doyle, Chris Holder. Yeah. So two Aussie world champs. Um, yeah, he'll have, a, he'll have a good lineup. Yeah. Um, it's straight after the Aussies. So I think the last round of the Aussies is tonight. Oh, sick. Yeah. So, like, everyone's there ready to rip. Pretty much, because it's in North Brisbane. Yeah. So, the same track. So Yeah, sick. Um, he, he planned that well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so for, for, the, for those of the people that don't know, Darcy, um, Darcy used to race in Europe, 
you know he, he he probably would have had a world championship to his name but he had a, a pretty big crash in Poland one year and um yeah broke his back yeah. and uh, he's over here now living with his missus and got two kids and flat out and he's doing a bit of promoting yeah so, um, yeah he runs a good race eh? it's pretty yeah. pretty awesome eh? yeah so I, I promised him i'd come out and do it and here i am hey come from that generation where a handshake's your word exactly uh, exactly that, that's awesome bro well we'll uh we've just done fucking three and a half three and a half hours mate so wow we'll uh crop it down a bit no 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 she's staying <laughs> she's staying how she is but uh i appreciate it, man we've been talking about for a, a lot of we years have. we and, should mention uh, dave Dave yeah, Burks yep, was the first guy from that, Hook It. Yep. It would have been Hook It back in the day. Oh, he would have had a pod doing his mountain bike stuff. Dude, yeah. It would have been a Hook It podcast, I think. Fuck. Yeah. You're right. That's just fully little light bulb in my fucking head. Yep. So Dave Burks spoke to you about getting me on. Davey, hmm. the, the G. Yeah, man. Have you? Did you do Hook It back in the day? Is that where he... Yeah, I did, I did a hook it. But I've known him for years because when, you know when I first came over to Europe, his cousin, John O'Burks, was coming around doing all the English stuff when I said we was travelling around the country. Yeah. Well, he was helping us do that. No shit. Yeah, and his cousin's Dave. I, so I've yeah. known them for, yeah, since since I was 16. Dude, I talk to Davey a lot still to this yeah, day. He's a yeah. good guy. I just only just made the fucking connection. Right yeah, well, there. I mentioned to you earlier, and you was yeah, a bit like, yeah, but I call him Davey. Okay. So like when you just said Dave, I was like, oh, okay, I feel like. But at the same time, I, I've had so many people message me for you to come on. Yeah, I'm surprised, hey. No, yeah, it's like it's been consistent for a long time. I'm like we're doing it. He lives there. I live here. We're fucking one day. It'll it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah, that's great. All right, sweet, Davy. All right. Yeah, so Dave, yeah, I don't call him Dave. So I just call, I've got him in my phone just as Davy. Gotcha. <laughs> so, well, we'll send him a picture and say it finally happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, no, that's I oh, do. I still talk to him all the time. Yeah. He's so a yeah, ride companion now is there their, his podcast with Ollie. So shout out to to uh, there we go to the boys. New podcast. I have to get on that as well. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we'll do it again, man. At some point, I uh, appreciate you coming on. Glad yes, we finally made it happen. It was fucking good to just sit and have a yarn. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again soon. Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Peace. See ya. Yeah, we'll send Davey a pic. Dude, that's so fucking. I just like didn't.